How about those blues? You heard from Colton Pareko. You heard from Mike Van Ryan and head coach Craig Berube. It is the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 202. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And sure, it's great to come away with a win. But guys, I, I don't know if you were as disappointed as I was that after that second period, the Blues allowed three shots in the third. Because you don't want to go backwards in a game. Uh-huh. And so they allowed the one shot in the second period. So to allow three in the third, I thought, was really kind of alarming. Well, it's a tad bit disheartening. I, I will take solace in the fact that it was 23-5 uh, to five after the first. I mean, <laughs> o- overall, uh, I, I think that we can lean on the bigger number yeah. in a situation like that. Yeah, that, that is crazy. It's dominance against well, a good team. It, it's crazy that the score wasn't lopsided. I mean, the, the way that they had dominated at times, but they figure out a way yet again. I was talking uh, in the crossover with BK, Michelle, and Alex Ferrario of – Big men aren't supposed to move like that. Colton Pareko's not supposed to do things like that. He's supposed to be the uh, the huge monster shot that rips people's arms off. He goes to the little deke. Am I going front door? Nope, sorry about it. I'll uh, wrap around to the back door. It was pretty, man. You obviously don't know anything about hockey. If Fair. You did not I'll call, give you that. If you did not call Colton Pareko winning it in overtime on a wraparound goal, <laughs> that's how do you... Not guess something like that is going to happen, BT. Everybody knew he I'm was going to score on a wraparound. That's unbelievable. And uh, yeah, it, it's so you're talking about back to back games for them in which they had to come back. You'd prefer they don't have to do it, but at least you know they can. And this has been evident of the team for over a, a year now. You know, a, a, a team that is capable of when they are down, when things don't look right, they a lot of times find a way to figure it out by the end of the year or by the end of the game. And you were talking about those three shots in the third period. And my thought is, well, Randy, they have a month to get this cleaned up. Oh, they do. Yeah. They they can clean up some time. They can clean up this stuff. You know, the three shots allowed in a period. Can't this, this won't go on forever. There are teams that just know how to win and know how to go about overcoming adversity and the Blues do that on a regular basis. And we look at last night, but heck, they came back from two goals down against Chicago on Tuesday night. They've done it multiple times this year where they've fallen behind and then come back to win a game. They know what it takes to win games. Now, like Mike Van Ryan said, you'd like them to get off to better starts, but at least they know that if they don't get off to a fast start, they still have the capability of winning the game. Yeah, you can't, you can't keep flirting with this forever. For the next month of the season, month of the season plus, because we're, you know, you've got the entire month of March, got a couple of games in April, and then you're going to start the playoffs. Now, it's nice to know you can do this, but you don't want to keep allowing other teams to get in front of you the way they're doing and then have to come from behind because at some point that is not going to work for you. Certainly the team is capable of doing it, but it's not going to work every night. Yeah, maybe though, maybe we're looking at this wrong. We continue to praise this team for all of the adversity that they're able to go through. Maybe it's not adversity as much as it's just how they play. It, it just It's... Uh, maybe adversity is identity at this point. Like, this is kind of who they are. Like, you, you, you're not sure what you're going to get from uh, game in, game out, but you know you're going to get effort. You know they're going to get after it however they can. But the games are, are they're not always going to be the same. You know, you're, you're not, they're not built like Colorado and they're not built like these other teams that are fly, you know, flying high, scoring a ton of points. Uh, but every once in a while, you're going to get a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, so the the adversity part of it, we keep looking at like hurdles they overcome, came back from a lead. 
I, I just feel like it's more so of an I- identity of theirs than it is a, a, oh, look at you guys just keep uh, keep climbing. No, it's just who they are. They're relentless. And one of the guys that fits that mold, and he didn't really get a lot of play last night. He only had one shot, and he had a missed shot, had an assist. But Jaden Schwartz winds up a plus three in the game. He, as Coach Hitchcock used to say, he's so conscientious defensively. He plays a conscientious game. And even though, and he's had a really good scoring year, but he isn't one of the guys where you say, okay, that's the guy that's going to win the game for us in overtime. He's a really good all-around player and a really important part of this team. And one of the reasons that they have had such a great season this year, and Kerbs made the point that through 65 games, they're top seven all-time in Blues history, is that Jaden Schwartz has been healthy all year. He's a really important part of what they do. Well, it's it's great to have, first of all, a guy just with the veteran experience that he has. I, I feel like Jaden Schwartz is still one of those guys that you look at him as, and, and you, you can lean on him. You can trust him a, a little bit. And young guys can learn from a presence like his. But just having the overall identity of the grinder. I mean, that's what he is. That's what they are in general. And, well, health is always the key. That's the one thing. If we're going to talk about adversity just in general, I don't think it's on a game-to-game basis. It's the fact that they just keep figuring out ways to overcome each hurdle when somebody mm-hmm. else gets hurt. Uh, but him being there, him being a presence, uh, Oscar Sundquist is another one. When right. he was hurt, you saw the difference when they came back. Look, there are just so many different guys that have had to step up throughout the year, and he's one of them. Yeah. And I do want to clarify, because Schwartz, is, he's got 20 goals and 32 assists. I'm talking about relative to what the expectation was a few years ago before he had the spate of injuries. The expectation was that Schwartz was going to be a point-a-game guy. Yes. And he he's not that guy. He's What I'm saying is, I'm trying to be as complimentary as I can, he's a really good player mm-hmm. in all phases of the ice. If, if you need a guy that plays well in the defensive zone, he does. A guy that plays well in the neutral zone, he does. He's got great speed. A guy that can get the puck on net, he does. He's just a terrific all-around player. Well, I think it's, well, maybe that's more on us that we that we put too much on him early on maybe Not just a moron. oh no no i don't think he's a moron more on us you more on well mm-hmm. we are no, we're not. Maybe. You don't we're think not. so? No. We want people to listen to us. Collectively. Well, I mean, it's, there's nothing more fun than listening to morons talk. That's actually a really good point, Ron. Yeah. That stuff's entertaining. Go it on. It's very entertaining. Um, but I think it's, look, we probably did put a little bit too much on what the expectation for his career was. It's okay to just appreciate who he actually yeah, is. He's really and, good. And player. who he is as a player that when he's not on the ice, it's noticeable. And the team is not the same. And you mentioned the numbers, and I think there's you can fudge numbers. I, I think in multiple different ways to make um, player A's presence more important to the team than they actually are, or less important, however you want to. But I think in this particular case, it does matter when he's available to them. Right a now, lot. heading into tonight, and the Avalanche are going to start a run here where they play three out of four tonight. The Blues have a three. Or, or the Avalanche have three games in hand, and the Blues have a five-point lead over Colorado in the division. By the way, Dallas is back in town tomorrow. They have a game in hand against the Blues, and they trail the Blues by six points. And it was talked about last night on the broadcast that the carrot for the Blues right now is to finish with the best record in the West and get home ice. They're going to make the playoffs. They're in great shape in their division, but they want to do what they want to do is hang on to first place in the West and have home ice throughout the Western Conference playoffs. As I ask this, I know it's going to come out as a a stupid thing, but I'm wondering about the transition. Well, we're more on, so oh yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, fine, I'll just ask. Yeah, 
Is it important to bank as many points as you can before Vladimir Tarasenko gets back? It's a good. I think that's a fair question, yeah. Because it, just going back to the understanding what you are when he comes back, you're better from a personnel standpoint, but you don't know what you are from a stylistic standpoint. Like, how is he going to fit in? How quickly? You're going to want to feed him minutes as many as he can. Like, So maybe you're going to have to overcome some stuff there. I'm not trying to say you're not better with him, but I, I wonder if all these points are even more important beforehand, knowing that the home ice advantage is as big as it is i think it's a fair question um for a moron for anybody really uh even the morons and the smart people this is a good question for anybody it's it's obviously a better thing for them to have as many points as possible so that by the time you get to the end of the year it's not just about getting good playoff position but it's maybe you can mess around with lineups a little bit more if you want to and i'm talking about managing minutes in a way you want. Maybe there are certain players they would like to be able to stay away from in the final games of the season, the final couple games of the year. The likelihood is those final two games, the ones in April, the, the, the first week in April, probably are going to matter when it comes to determining who finishes with the best record in the West or who finishes uh, atop the Central even. That is probably going to matter for them. But it would be really nice to have a little bit of a cushion that you feel like, all right, let's ease him in, play him the way we want to play him, have the the luxury of doing it that way, trying to uh, try to get everything working together again with Tarasenko part of the mix, and maybe backing off some of the veteran players who have been playing a ton of minutes this year. So I think it's that would be very beneficial to them. Uh, for both reasons, you know, you can you can play him how you want to. You can give guys rest whenever you want to. The likelihood is, though, they're not going to have the luxury of doing that if they want to finish atop the West. The Blues are back in action tomorrow night here on 101 ESPN. The Stars are in town. It's a 7 o'clock game, 6 o'clock. The Mitsubishi Electric pregame show here on 101 ESPN, 6.30 with the BMW of West St. Louis Skate. Blues and Stars tomorrow. Then Tuesday starts a three-game trip at New York on Tuesday against the Rangers, at New Jersey against the Devils on Friday. And then Sunday, the Blues are at Chicago, Sunday the 8th, before coming home to take on the Panthers here on the 9th. And then uh, they've also got the makeup game against Anaheim during that little stretch there. So Blues are going to be busy coming up. Next up in the fast lane, Marcel Ozuna says he would have returned to St. Louis had the Cardinals given him another chance after the qualifying offer. What production will it take from the young guys to justify not bringing Ozuna back? That's next on 101 ESPN. That is Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com talking to Dan McLaughlin on ScoopsWithDannyMac.com. And it's interesting that a guy like Ozuna does have those uh, regrets about not taking the qualifying offer. But if, we, if any of us knew what, was, what the future was going to hold, we would change everything. There wasn't a snowball's chance in hell uh, that I thought he was going to take that qualifying offer and he shouldn't have taken that qualifying offer and if we do believe some of the reports that uh, that we've heard there were teams uh, specifically the Reds that were willing to offer him a lot more money in more years but it wasn't still uh, still wasn't the contract that he ended up wanting look the idea of Marcel Ozuna, whatever you think about him, all right? Because I know that some people say it's a no-brainer. Other people say he's a dog. Let the kids play. Like, I've heard both, and we'll get both on the text line, 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. The idea of one year, $18 million for the potential production that he can put up 
it seems like a no-brainer, mm-hmm. right? It, do, it does for me when I'm looking at it on, on paper with all the question marks that are within this lineup. But I am trying to look at this from a Cardinal standpoint. And when I see that, when I plug him into left field for a year, what I what it does do is pumps the brakes on my evaluation of some players that I really need to evaluate. So it pumps the brakes on the evaluation of Tyler O'Neill. Does the same thing with Lane Thomas. Does the same thing with Harrison Bader because those guys are going to end up fighting for for reps the entire season. And certainly does so with Dylan Carlson. That's the way that they're looking at this more so is we believe in what we have here, but we got to find out. We got to figure out ways to see if the cream rises to the top out of this group from their standpoint, they look at it and say for, for all of them, I'm paying all these guys combined way less than we're paying Marcelo Zuna for one year. And they believe that they're going to be able to get the same production. Well, see that to me is a more in what you all of that stuff that you said is absolutely true. But I think against the backdrop of having just gone to an NLCS, it's, it doesn't really sit well that we're in this evaluation period with a bunch of players. If this had been a couple of years ago and the team was building up toward being a playoff team and you were relying on young players to eventually get you there in a year or two, I think that's easier to that's easier to digest, at least for me. Coming off that NLCS appearance, you'd like a little bit more certainty. In fact, you'd like a lot more of it. it look, Tyler O'Neill might be really good. This might be his breakout year. Same thing true for uh, Thomas. Could happen for Bader as well. Um, But now you're in a position where it kind of has to happen. Because not only do you have to make sure you repeat the production of Ozuna, but you have to add to it instead. Like like on top of that, in addition. So that's why this for me is... uh, and I think for a lot of fans, too, that's that's more difficult. It would make total sense if this were just a team where you're like, hey, whatever happens, happens this year. It's a young team where we're, we're moving toward being a winner. Then you're evaluating those young players. That's that's great. And I understand they want to do it, but it would be way better if you already had some more certainties in that lineup, especially after what they did last year. And everything the Cardinals did during the offseason, aside from signing KK, was geared towards getting a look at that, those young outfielders. By letting Ozuna walk, by trading a Rosarena and Martinez, they said to us, we want to look at O'Neill and ultimately Carlson and Lane Thomas, and we want to give Bader another chance. And guys, I, I really wonder if there was ever a chance for uh, Marcelo Ozuna to come back. I was told last offseason, the, the, before the 2019 season, that Tyler O'Neill would be, and I think the Cardinals thought that he would be better last year than he was. But I was told that he would be their left fielder in 2020. And Mr. DeWitt told us last week that these are decisions, the big money decisions, that are made three to five years ahead of time. So I I wonder if on the day the Cardinals got Paul Goldschmidt, if it was pretty much determined that Marcelo Zuna was not going to be here if Goldschmidt signed that Ozuna wasn't going to be here for the long term. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. the, the long term I think is the biggest issue. But I, but I will say this, given the opportunity to sign him to that one-year deal. If Marcel Marcel did like it here, like yeah, the guys like it. Like they responded around him. Being in the clubhouse, being around it, you can tell. The guys like him. you know when somebody is not liked in a clubhouse, man. Marcel was liked. That being said, I don't think the organization liked him. I don't think that they liked the work ethic. I don't think the fact that he showed up to spring training overweight helped them at all. And I don't think that he felt like someone for them that they wanted to 
invest a significant amount of money in. And I, I can understand that part of it. I, I get it. I'll say this, though, for Marcel Ozuna. Marcel, the way things look currently, Marcel found himself a way better landing spot to get paid for the following year because he is in a hell of a lineup right now with the Braves. There are going to be guys on. I mean, you're projecting he's probably going to hit fourth or fifth for them. He's going to have a lot of traffic in front of him. He's going to put up big-time numbers if he's healthy, and he's going to likely go out there and command $20 million a year You know, if, if everything works out for him. But it, it was very apparent from the get-go, and – Throughout the season, Randy, I was hearing the same things about Marcel in general. Because you watch it and you see the production, you see the overall numbers. Like, hey, I'd love to have that. Pretty much everybody that, that is in the know would say, it ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. He's not going to be around. They know what they want to do. Now, will it work? Will it will it pay off? Is Are we going to go from a team, Ranch, to your point? And I understand the frustration. I understand people saying, look, we were just in an NLCS. Are we going to go from a team that was just in the NLCS that has a regression this year offensively from a not good offensive year, like, like a, right. a, a subpar offensive year, uh, we all know they're going to be carried by their pitching again, or at least believe they're going to be carried by their pitching and their defense again. But are we going to go from that team that, that went as far as they did last year to a team that falls short because they're missing a guy? Yep. Like that, That's the biggest question. Because if they do, if they end up falling short, and you can look at it, and it's hard to quantify numbers from one team to another. But if you just look at Marcelo Zuna's numbers at the end of the year, and then you look at the Cardinals, and they fall a couple of games short, and you say, well, well if you had this guy you're going to win a couple more games, you're going to be a postseason team, then it is what it is. Like mm-hmm. Then you're going to have to take the – just like they get credit when something goes well. Actually, probably not as much. When things go well mm-hmm. for organizations, you just expect them to go well. But there's blame. There, there's going to be blame there, and they're going to have to wear it if that happens. Now, it, see, and that's the thing. They could end up being right on all of these guys, that they can at least match what he did without him and for a cheaper price. They might totally be correct on all of that. But that's now kind of what they put themselves into. They kind of have to. They have to be right. Because I I just don't... I don't think you want to take a step back this year after you got where you got last no. year. What fans expect, and they're right to expect this, is a progression. So here's a team that has been telling us for a couple of years they're going to be a playoff team. Or they believe they can be one. They finally get there. They make a pretty good run. And then they, then they lose in that NLCS. Okay, well, what are we going to do next year? to catch up with what Washington is. And and I know they beat the Braves, but the Braves are a good, good team that's still on its way up. What are we going to do to make sure we're past them or try to catch up as much as we can with the Dodgers? And instead, what we've got is a team that is hoping that a lot of these young players at least match Marcelo Zuna's production and everybody else rebounds and does better and we have a better offense and all of this pressure isn't on the pitching staff to make sure they're as good as they were last year and in some cases better. To me, that's that does not sit as well. And he is a number four hitter, and they don't have a number four hitter. But the question is, and right now I, I would say the odds are that the Cardinals do not get Nolan Arenado. That could change. I, th- yeah. I think the Cardinals are playing the long game. But if the Cardinals do wind up with Nolan Arenado, whether it's at the All-Star break this year or at the trade deadline this year or after next season, would that be a better long play than Marcelo Zuna? I honestly don't know. Like, I think so. I think but so, too. I, but I don't know what Arnado's going to be at the last five years of his deal either. Like, who knows? See, that's the thing with a lot of these deals. Like, you go ahead and make them. That's why teams are so 
uh, against try- signing a 10-year deal. We talked to Bill Dewitt about that. Like, there's a very there's a lot of unease when when it comes to situations like that. That it looks good at first, and then all of a sudden, it's not so good anymore. Now, I still believe yep. that the Cardinals have the flexibility, and certainly will in the future, to be able to. He, you're going to get at least five good years out of the player. We'll see what the back end looks like. I don't think that that cripples you as a franchise. But I want to go back to a word that you said a second ago, Ranj. The uh, fans expect a progression, right? The progression from their offense, and I agree with you. I just wonder what it looks like when. They plug it, whatever their numbers are, right? However they evaluate players, and certainly it's much more than eyeball test. They look at his stats and say, all right, that's what he is and that's what he's going to be. If they plug in Marcel Ozuna, we're using him as the example here. He's the guy that you had in-house, and he's the guy you could have kept in-house. If they look at his numbers and say he's posed uh, or poised for a regression, does that like change anything for you? I mean, because we don't know those things, Right. right? And I would assume that they would look at him and say, hey, this is what our numbers are telling us with him, that it's not going to look like this looked. Because $18 million is not much money. I mean, it, it, overall, relatively, right? Yeah, but I, I think what you're paying for is a nothing is certain for sure. And that goes for Paul Goldschmidt. You don't even really truly know exactly what he's going to give you. But with somebody like Ozuna, you have a much better idea of the kind of production you'll get from him as opposed to what you're going to get from O'Neal, Thomas, Carlson in his first year, you don't and Bader, like all of those guys combined, you just don't know. So I think that's what you're paying for. And yeah, you could be putting money in the wrong spot ultimately, but I mean that's the risk of giving anybody a contract. So to me, and I know we talked about this a lot during the offseason, they, they kind of were in position where they needed to bring him back, and I know there were flaws in his game, and we got a texter who said uh, he was a laughing stock in the field, don't let the door hit you. Yeah, he wasn't good out there, but you knew what he was good for, and what he was good for is producing some offense and, and being a... And he was somewhat entertaining in the field. The hell, the diving... Climbing up a wall and diving yeah. off it because you misjudged the fly ball? That's a I lot of fun. 15 feet? That Hell happens, yeah. guys. You guys watch a lot it's of like, baseball. You see that almost night in, night out. It's like watching Bartolo hit. You know, it's a lot of fun. Everybody enjoys uh, something like that. But I think it's a, what you're paying for for me is is what you believe to be more certainty. And yes, I understand there's not total certainty. and There never is. And you can't. You can't know that's going to happen. You just have to now be right on the young players. We also got another text message, which I think is maybe important, and maybe we can help. Uh, from a 636, uh, somebody is um, doing his business in the stall at work, and he said, the dude next to me is crushing it. I asked for a courtesy flush, nothing. Do I give it right back? I looked at the shoes. It's not my boss. Please help. So what do we do for this person? What should he do? So he he you verbally asked, asked for a courtesy flush and there's nothing there. I, according to this text message, yes. That that's warfare is what that it is. It is. Uh here's uh, this might be too far, all right? So if you if you like it, take it. If not, send it right back. I'm going to give it a wipe and I'm going to show it to the no. next stall. No. I'm going to show it. No. And if you I don't get a do courtesy that. flush, I'm touching you. With <laughs> being all adulty. Yeah, yeah. well, what if you I'm just... sorry. You're about to get war paint. <laughs> that's gonna Dude. happen. What? I think that's war assault. Punch. I believe that's assault. Yeah, you know what's assault? Assault on the nostrils. If you don't give a courtesy flush, that's true. That's what you do at a you public can't go to jail bathroom. for that. You dump, flush, dump, you can't flush, go to jail dump, for it. flush every time. I'll never forget my freshman year of college, and we had a you know had typical floor meetings in your dorm, 
and we had the RA talking to us, and he said, is there anything anybody else wants to add when we were done with the meeting? And we had this dude, he goes, yeah, I got one. He's like, if you are in the bathroom and you're doing your thing and your own stuff is making you sick, you got to lean back and flush it for the rest of us. And I, that stuck with me forever. It's real. I always remembered, like, damn, you got a courtesy. Randy, you got a courtesy. What kind of show is this? It's a filthy show. Well, no, we're helping people. Helping we people. got that text, you know. I, I know. People this. are asking us because they think we can help solve their problems. And by the way, if you're heading into Schnooks or Target or something like that, uh, pick up a can of Lysol because, as it says on the label of Lysol, kills human coronavirus. That is a great idea. Take it into the bathroom with you next time, and if somebody does that next to you, you spray under the stall on their shoes. Or you go under more and spray up in their face. Just Even better. Just yeah. get some Lysol. See? We I still like. It. I still like. Oh, we can great follow up text. <laughs> this by is the a way. very good text. What I know if you're... the guy is deaf? <laughs> what if he's deaf and had no idea? And then you warp him. <laughs> oh, no, no. Coming up Man. next in the fast lane, Trevor Bauer is trying to change baseball from a cheating standpoint, but he's also trying to change the way we traditionally view starting pitchers. That's next on 101 ESPN. With technology and an open mindset, Trevor Bauer is wanting to change the way we look at starting pitchers. Uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today wrote about it, and Bauer is prioritizing two things in free agency. Number one, he wants to pitch every fourth day instead of the typical every fifth day, and he wants to win and play somewhere where he feels respected. He wants to be on a team that is progressive with technology. Well, at least at the moment, he's on a team that's progressive with technology with the Cincinnati Reds. I don't know if they'll give him the opportunity to start every fourth day rather than every fifth day, but maybe that'll be the spot. I I doubt, I though, that you'll be able to find three other pitchers that would want to start every fourth day. Well, I don't think that that's what he's saying. I, I think that he was going less on a four-man rotation and more on a he wants to pitch every four days because I think he goes on to say uh, that it would build in more rest for everybody else on the staff. So basically, he's just saying, hey, here's uh, – he does so much digging, and there's so much – we have data at our fingertips, right? Like, he's got all that and then some – and by the way, like, he's got his own data. He, he like – it's hard to like quantify all the stuff that he has, but he is tracking everything his body does all the time. So I'm guessing the the information that he's talking about that he wants clubs to listen to, whether it's via free agency or it's with the Reds at, at some point, who, by the way, have a lot of good starters that I, I want to see pitching all, all the time. I'd want to see every fifth day as opposed to like a sixth day for Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray when he's right. Uh, but but I'm guessing that the information that he says is, hey, look at my recovery here. Look at look at my body. Look at my numbers. Look at all these things. I am the best on my fourth day as opposed to my fifth day, and everything is normal for me, and I, I respond really well. Look, I like the idea of that. I love great pitchers, seeing them more and more. And and if you can do that, maybe somehow, some way, I'll entertain the idea. And he references it, or or Bob Nightingale does. I forget which one. I think it was Trevor Bauer. Said the only reason it feels crazy is because no one else is doing it. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the case. Maybe we get back to a, a throwback where it's a new norm. But doesn't it feel like the game is trending the complete different way, yeah. where it is more rest, it is more recovery, it is more bullpenning, and we we go from there. Yeah. I don't I don't think we're ever going to go to a six-man rotation, but I, I feel like this five-man thing everybody does is is the limit. That's the most that's ever going to happen. But 
I wonder if anybody, if any teams would ever really truly explore the possibility of going back to doing the four-man thing like he says. What stands in the way is, well, it's a couple of things. One, the amount of money that is invested in pitchers. And two, it's we don't really know for sure if this would be better for pitchers or it would be worse for their health to make them go on three days rest every time out as opposed to going on four four days rest. And until teams know for sure that they are actually better off in the long run, health-wise, protecting their investments, they are not going to go back to a four-man rotation. Nolan Ryan tried to do that with the Rangers when he was in charge of the Rangers in the uh, last decade, and the agents for the young pitchers went bananas. Yeah, it got squashed pretty quickly. Yeah didn't it? And I think the idea of this with Trevor Bauer, who knows himself so well, is everybody's different. I, like, I really don't think that, not every starter in the big leagues could do something like this. I'm sure most of them are hearing Trevor Bauer talk, say, shut up, dude, we're good. Mm-hmm. We're, we're fine with our four days off. We got our routine. We got our recovery. Uh, but knowing yourself is a very important thing, and knowing how well how well you do respond, like how you feel on a certain day, what it would look like. It... it I do believe it to be a tiny bit crazy to continue to do the same thing over and over again just for the sake of tradition, right? Like it's, oh, five-man rotation, that's what we always did. Mm -hmm. I hate the idea of the six-man rotation. I I think if you have a six-man rotation, you don't even have five guys you want to I think it's something you do maybe on a short-term basis for a couple of weeks for, you know, multiple different reasons. you got a couple of guys nursing something. Yeah, but it it isn't like you do it for a full season. Right, but I I just think... uh, I think that you should always be looking to evolve. You should always be looking for ways to get better. But I don't know if single-handedly Trevor Bauer is going to be able to do this. And it is interesting. When you look at his career, he's only thrown more than 190 innings one time. He threw 213 in 2019, last year. Otherwise, it's been 175, 176, 176, 153. So he has not been this uh, Bob Gibson-esque Innings eater. Well, and maybe his thought is because he's not being deployed the right way. Like, if he believes in his heart of hearts that if he was pitching every four days, he'd have less health issues, his recovery would be better, his body would be better, uh, and he'd better serve a ball club. Well, I, I guess that's an interesting thing to look at. The problem is you're going to have uh, Trevor Bauer, while he's good, do you consider Trevor Bauer the ace of the Reds? Like, is he the guy out of everybody on the Reds that you want to see pitching every fourth day I, as opposed I, to fifth? I would say I yes. I see Castillo. I'd rather see Luis Castillo go out there personally. Yeah. Uh, but and, and we can go either way on that. Yeah, it's fine, right? But that being said, do I want to wait an extra day to see Castillo the no. next time? That's no, the biggest that's the question. Thing. So you, you almost have to, when you have a lot of good pitchers, I see this. If you if he is your horse on a, a staff that – here's a, here's an example. What if he were on the Anaheim Angels? The Angels have like not much going on for their rotation. They score a lot of runs, though. The offense is going to be really good. Hell, go for it, And dude. you'd love to have Otani pitch every sixth day and be a DH go the other five? Go for yeah. it. Yes, I'll work with something like that. I don't know if I can do it the way that the staff is built here for the Cincinnati Reds. Hell, if I were the Brewers right now, I might think of something like that. If somebody was like really in on that, and I, he put the numbers in front of me and said, I can do this, and I'm going to be better for you when I do this. I'm going to give you more than I've ever given anybody because I'm going to be given the opportunity, and you're going to allow these guys to rest a little bit. I might think about that. It keeps everybody else healthy, but I don't know how you do it with that rotation. What if you're getting a – okay, maybe it works 
if they decide, if they ever do, and I don't think they're going to, and I was surprised, I think it was a week or two ago, um, no, it was Bill DeWitt last week who said he's in favor of going to a, a 154 game mm-hmm. season, which is how it used to be a while ago. If it went back to that, maybe a four-man rotation makes a little bit more sense because there are more built-in off days throughout the season. So Because you're probably going to end up getting some days or some weeks you'll get three days rest, some starts you're going to get four days rest. You know, that's probably how it would work out over the course of the season. Maybe then it makes more sense. I just can't see teams ever going back to that. I, again, I can't either. And- again, unless there's evidence. There's got to be like empirical evidence that says pitchers are better off if they get right. three days instead of four. And if that would happen, teams would love that. Because right now, you put together a staff of five guys that cost $25 million apiece. Well, it would cost less to have four $30 million pitchers. So you could actually spend less. Granted, you're going to have more relievers, but you yeah. don't spend as much for relievers. If Maybe teams, you'd have to at that point. Right. And it make if you had guys that could be effective starting every fourth day, you have a much better chance of having really good pitchers because there there would be fewer opportunities to have a bad one in your rotation. Yeah, you know the problem though is that pitchers right now are not very efficient. Like everybody's going out there and looking for the strikeout, so you're seeing pitch counts uh, pitch counts approach 100 in the fifth inning. Yeah. oftentimes, right? If you're doing that every four days, what value are you really giving me there? Because my bullpen's getting taxed if that continues to happen. You're not going to let Trevor Bauer or whoever else who wants to pitch every four days. I can't leave you out there for 130, 140 while I'm trying to be progressive here. I can't let let you leave your right arm on the mound. I, I I think you might end up taxing another part of your team and then overall, this is talking about everyone going to a four-man rotation, right? Not just the one guy. I think that you would put so much strain on a bullpen through 162. We had a texter to the Air Comfort Service text line who says, as you're talking about this, um, it's kids are having their arms ruined or players are having their arms ruined by the time they're kids and they're developing as pitchers. Yes. So does it really... How much can a Major League Baseball team really do when kids, the way it used to be, is you'd play three months of baseball in the summer, and that was it. But now a lot of kids are pitching in the summer, and then they're pitching in fall leagues. They're in traveling teams, and they're in Florida, and they're in warmer climates, and they're playing year-round. And then coaches in those individual games, and I know there are pitch limits um, in some leagues, I guess. It's not uniform, right? Um, Just wearing their kids out. And then you get to college. And some of those college coaches are notorious for wearing out pitchers. And by the time they get to the big leagues, you've got so many extra miles on the arm than what they used to have 30 or 40 years ago. I remember right mentioned college. I remember right before I got drafted, it was in the playoffs in uh, in Juco. And I went uh, nine innings. And then the next day went seven. See, <laughs> dude, like, that's ridiculous. And I get like the Carter's like, well, the scout that was drafting me, Manny Guerra, who who has passed on. He's like, seriously, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I just said yes. For a fact, there are teams that will try as hard as possible or refuse to draft kids from a certain college because they know that coach will wear that pitcher out. So they won't even bother looking at those guys. That is something, and that's something as a parent you really need to keep an eye on, is how your kid is being used. Look, there are are big-time benefits for kids playing baseball all the time. We're seeing guys that are, we're seeing players that are far more developed than they ever have been before, reaching the big leagues quicker than they ever have, and making an impact. I I get that, and I can see how that's a, a carrot. 
it's attractive, care, man. You got to take care of your body. You got to yep. take care of yourself. And you can't always believe that whoever your kid is playing for is going to have their best interest. You need to have your kid's best interest all the time. Yeah, a lot of times the coaches, they are living out their major league dreams. But it's hard dreams. to do in college, too, though. You can't do that. You can't go as a parent and knock on the door. No, Coach, you can't. my kid's throwing too much. It's hard to do, man. Right. Coming up in the fast lane, why is Garth Brooks trending in a sad day in L.A.? Bring it to you next on 101 ESPN. So they're still building that new stadium for the Rams and the Chargers out in L.A., SoFi Stadium, yeah. which is uh, named, by the way, after a uh, loan company that has gone bankrupt. And everything's going well. Everything's going swimmingly. Yeah. Well, it was Ugh. until this morning where I was home, by the way, when a crane <laughs> fell at the construction site at SoFi Stadium. So did you, you just give yourself an alibi? Yeah, I was did. home, yeah. Is there anybody there that can maybe... <laughs> no, I was alone. Uh, yeah. Oh, you were? Yeah, everybody, everybody else was sleeping, hmm. but I was home. I guess it's very difficult from the time that that happened to actually get here and do this show. Nearly impossible. It's not impossible, though. Randy probably has the means and the friends to get himself a private jet to get here. Like, because that's quick in, quick out. You you just roll right up to the tarmac, you get on the plane, you go. You know a private jet person, don't you? Uh, Yeah, I know a couple. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you should have done. Yeah, well, I know, Randy. You suck at this. No, I would have been better. I, I would have done something more than just a crane. <laughs> what? I don't Nobody know. Nobody got hurt. Nobody hurt, which is good. And that's what you want. Right. Well, except for two I, I wish it would delay the thing by like two days so that they couldn't play okay. their opener. That would be funny. It still yeah. looks like it's going to be a minute. It does, yeah. Pretty funny. Know. Well, they can play in dirt. Big Sis is back. What do you got for us? Well, you, uh, you teased the idea that Garth Brooks is trending right now. The people on the Twitter sphere a little upset. Garth had a concert in Detroit, Michigan, and he wore a Barry Sanders jersey out on stage. Makes yeah, sense, cool. right? Yeah, Detroit Hall of Famer. Right. Everybody yeah. knows Barry Everybody Sanders. Loves Barry Everybody. Sanders. Pretty good guy. Yeah, pretty good athlete. Well, a lot of people got mad because they thought it was a different Sanders. They thought it was Bernie Sanders. And with the Slight number twenty, up. they thought it was a an ad for uh, Bernie yeah. Sanders in twenty twenty. I, I yeah. really want to be able to. Uh, for, for, it was the Antoine Dobson. Like y'all are so dumb. Like, yeah, that's a, no, <laughs> I, dumb. I was, was going to give with all due respect. How can people be so stupid? I well, so when you look at the comments that they're referencing, and the, every one of the comments has like a little profile pic. Most of the people in the profile pics are of the age of people who should know who Barry Sanders is. And know that they were in Detroit. Here's the thing. Like, everybody who is older than me, I would think, knows who Barry Sanders is. Did anybody hear about Garth Brooks giving out free concert tickets? Oh, you didn't? No. Then it wasn't a Bernie Sanders thing, okay? You paid for it. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I see. Oh, yeah, very good. Also trending, uh, a punter. We know about football here in St. Louis, and we know especially about our punters, our Marquette fantastic Marquette. punters. Marquette King, he's he's phenomenal. Uh, but did this... he, by the way, say that he, it's it's Marquette or Marquette, depending on how he feels? Yeah. I, I oh, know he just said that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's, that's good it's to awesome. know. It's kind of cool. What if you call him by the wrong name? We have, we've had him on multiple times. And, and we've, we've called him Marquette. He's he been happy with anything. Marquette each time. He's just feeling his Marquette kind of day. Yeah. yeah. All right. I love it. Arizona State punter Michael Turk, he stunned people at the NFL Combine. 25 reps on the bench press for the punter. Great. 225. That's awesome. So what? He's the strongest punter ever. Great. What's he going to do? What's he going to do with that skill set? Well, you throw the ball down harder instead of dropping it. 
Well, the, which creates more force. He's be able, the does that mean he's going to be able to tackle somebody when yeah. they bust through? That's John, right. Remember Johnny Hecker's cheap shot? Didn't he take a personal foul penalty? He did, actually. Yeah. Uh, that was really funny, and then his head was on a swivel for quite <laughs> yeah, some time after that. If he funny. celebrates like Marquette or Marquette King and does like flexes nonstop and he's just yoked and jacked, does that change your mind at all? Mm. No, it, I mean, it doesn't change the the fact. It's impressive. That That's great and all. That's the only thing, though, he can do with that skill set at the NFL level is after a good punt, he can flex. Yeah, right. Like, that's the only thing. By the way, Marquette playing tomorrow at the Dome. About 2,000 tickets left for the Battlehawks game against Seattle. They're going to be wearing blue on blue. Everybody gets a blue rally towel when they walk in, so it's a color rush. It's a blue out for the fans. Yeah. And it's the first Super Sports Saturday. The Battlehawks at four, Blues at seven. And you can, did you guys know this? You can still buy four packs. You can get a season ticket for the rest of the game starting at 65 bucks a pop. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal. It is. You can go to XFLBattleHawks.com for more info. But 2,000 tickets still available for tomorrow's game. So go to the blue out, see a blowout. I mean, that's kind of pretty much what the Battlehawks do. You could show up in all blue and say, I blew myself. Can you? Grow up. Is that? Hmm. You guys in Arrested Development, nobody? No. No? Okay. No. Great show. Go back and watch it. it. Is it worth it? Does it hold up? Yeah, it's still pretty funny. Yeah, it's still pretty funny. All right. You know what I haven't watched either, which is kind of embarrassing? And I've seen a couple of episodes, and I really liked it, and I think that I would enjoy the humor, is The Office. A lot of Good people show. say that The Office is A lot is of people solid. reference it, and we've talked about it. I've never really watched the show. Um, but it was during a, you know, I had a phase where I didn't watch primetime TV, and that was on during that time. Now I watch a lot of it. But uh, I never saw The Office. Never it, really got into it. It's way better when you can binge it and watch like five seasons at a time. Trust me. Way better than watching it live on TV. I believe everything, you. Everything is everything so good that way. Everything outside of sports is better that way. It, it irritates me when, like, a Hulu or Netflix doesn't really do this, but, like, when Hulu has their own shows and they don't put them all out at once. Just a slow trickle. Yeah, it's like, all right, here you go. Here's the show this week, and now you have to wait another week. I get annoyed. They already bought it, you jerks. Right. I, I bought your service. Just put it all. Now give me your product. It's not how this works. Chris Ranji may not be a fan of the Jonas Brothers, but Twitter is. Hashtag, thank you, Jonas Who Brothers. Who said I don't like Jonas Brothers? Uh, when he dropped your scallop on the floor in Hello. Jupiter. Oh, that piece of crap. One year ago today, guys, the Jonas Brothers reunited. Wow. I'm surprised so with good. that news. What was the guy doing working at a restaurant? Raise your hand really quick if you didn't know that the Jonas Brothers broke up at one point. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I did know. Nobody can yeah. see us. Brothers can't oh, be. Sorry, I knew that. had his hand up. I Meat had did. my hand up. Meat, did you have your I hand did. up? I did. Meat what are brothers doing up? breaking up? I don't know, man. I guess that success probably does that, too. Yeah. Like, when you're, when you're out on the road and stuff. There have been so many great bands, duos, brothers that have broken up. You have creative differences. Yeah. Probably steal each other's girlfriends and stuff. That is the weirdest thing when it happens. So happy, though, that the... The Jonas Brothers. Do you think the Jonas Brothers are also Eskimo Brothers? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Chances are. But it shouldn't all be at once because that's gross, you know? There's a documentary out on, on how they got back together on Amazon Prime. Yeah, bad luck. Check that out. Check that out on why they got back together. Why and how. Okay. Did you watch that? I didn't. I just saw the previews. Okay, I think he watched it. They run the commercials during Jack Ryan, I swear. You're only human. Is what it is. They don't run commercials during Jack Ryan. That's also true, Randy. I, I, because I, that is something I binge watch. Wait, is Jack too. Ryan on Netflix or is it Amazon? Amazon, Amazon Prime.
And finally, guys, uh, wash your hands and do not touch your face. That's wash trendy. your hands? Yep. Wash your hands. Oh, do wash your yeah. hands. Yes. Wash, wash your hands. Wash them. Do not touch your face. Uh, it'll lead to coronavirus. Right. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Well, you got to be careful. What? Washing your... So... Okay. No, sorry. Touching your face could lead to it if they're... Your hands if are dirty. Put, if you touch something gross with coronavirus on yeah. it, then you touch your face. So that's why that's you wash you your it. hands yes. to prevent that. Mm. Or hand sanitizer helps. We have it all over our building. Just go hand sanitizer straight to the face. Kind of um, skip over yeah, little steps. Hypothetical. Total yep. hypothetical here. Hypothetically, if one of us this morning uh, went to a school and did a kids program, and then afterwards high-fiving all these little mm-hmm. kids, Uh-oh. and then... They just got in their car, they came here and was shaking hands with everybody at the office. And never in between did that person wash their hands or or use sanitizer. Would that be frowned upon? Yes. No. I don't okay. care. All right, good. Yeah. You don't care. No, I agree, Randy. It's frowned hey, upon. Hey, you're in the age range where you gotta be careful. I am. Yeah, it could kill oh. you. Hey, I just don't drink corona. Oh, by oh. the way. <laughs> oh, now that you mention it. Uh, you guys want to hear something awesome? I do. Yeah, so apparently this public relations firm called 5W uh, reports that 38% of people will not currently drink Corona, quote, under any circumstances because of the outbreak. And another 14% said they wouldn't order a Corona in public. And they also don't like Barry Sanders jerseys. And they don't like Barry Sanders jerseys. Dude. Dude. Holy crap, are we stupid. Yes, we are. I love it. I love how stupid we are. It's going to kill us, but I love how stupid we are. I I really never thought that we would get to uh, that movie with Luke Wilson. Yeah, Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Here we are. You've been past so, the Fuddruckers lately? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Hey, I'll tell you what. We need to start watering our crops with Gatorade. Yes, we do. Was it Brondo? Brondo. 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 Next up, Yadi Molina wants to stick around for a few more seasons, and Mark Saxon is reports that he's willing to take a reduced role to do so. That's right. Mark Saxon is reports sure that did. he's willing to take a reduced role to do so. Huh. Well, Maybe people should leave us a Rhine Shield mic drop to tell us about it. That's not a bad idea, Ronj. Hmm. I think it's a Rhino Shield mic drop. Back, by the way, he's gone. Meat is here. Hello, Meat. So good to be back. What would a reduced role for Yachty look like? 130 games? That's next on 101 ESPN. Mark Saxon has a piece up at The Athletic regarding the Cardinal roster, and he broke down multiple positions trying to forecast what the roster is going to be and pointed out that the Cardinals are still talking to Yadier Molina's agent about bringing him back for 2021 and probably 2022. Saxon says, I've heard that he has informed club officials he would be willing to take a reduced role in the second season of an extension that could open a path to playing time at last for Andrew Kisner, who will be 28 by then. He, he also said maybe at that time it might not even be Kisner. It might be Yvonne Herrera, yeah. who, who they like as well. Yeah. it's If you look at Yadier's past, for him, because he insists on playing a lot, a reduced role could theoretically, I was just kind of half joking, it could be 130 games. Yeah, look, I um, I understand Yachty and his camp wanting a two-year extension as opposed to having this year left and then add on another year. I get that. 
Um, I don't believe him. <laughs> like, just being blunt, like, I don't believe that he is okay to a diminished role. Now, who knows? Because things could change here in the next year plus, and he could get to the point where he realizes, look, I, I have lost a step, and I, I do need more rest. I need more recovery. And I would like to usher in the next future catcher of the St. Louis Cardinals. He might get to that point in the next couple of years. But the way that his mindset is right now, Yachty is preparing himself, and nothing has changed in recent years. He prepares himself to catch 162. We all know that there's no reality there. He's not going to do that. It's not going to happen. But he wants to catch as many games as he possibly can. And I just don't see after a couple more years, if even if it, all his numbers, everything looks very similar to what they do now, or maybe there's a small fall off, I still don't feel like he is going to say, you know what, yeah, now's the time. Time. Now's the time we're all catch 80 games. I don't know. I think every player, and, and I know what you're talking about, because that's an intense individual and somebody who prepares intensely all the time. He's notorious for that. We talked about it a lot. I still can see a, a player as you get to a certain part of your career and a certain age that the realization hits you and that you can accept that realization. Hell, Adam Wainwright, about a year ago, accepted the possibility of, number one, maybe not being able to play, and two, if he did come back, pitching wherever they wanted him to. When leading up to that point, he had always said, I'm a starter, or, yeah, or, or that's it. Right, but but there's still, it's a realization that you have to have. You know what your body's telling you. Your body's telling you, hey, you're, you're, you're injured, you've been injured, you may not be able to do the workload, you can't just assume you're going to be a starter. The same thing can happen for Molina, too. I mean, sometimes it just... It just occurs to you. And I know he's approached this a different way his entire career, and it's absolutely commendable that he's done it that way. And he should be appreciated forever because of the way he goes about his business. But at some point, there's going to be a time where you can't do it anymore. And really, him preparing to catch 162 games, that might be what he has to do in order to catch 130 or 140 if he's taking a lot of time off throughout the year. I just, and maybe BT's right, maybe he never ever thinks that he should really back off his playing time, but I think there could be a time where he realizes it, it needs to happen. He's been limited by injuries in each of the last two years. You go back to 2014, he threw out a league best 48% of base stealers. From 14 on, it was... 41%, then an outlier season, 21. But essentially, it's gone from 48 to 41 to 36 to 31 to 27% of base runners thrown out. He's getting older. He's 37 years old now. His OPS has gone from 787 to 751 to 750 to 711 in the last four years. So he doesn't, at the age of 37, appear to be on the ascent anymore. I would hope that this would be the year that... The Cardinals could get some time for somebody else and maybe expose Yachty to less wear and tear and maybe get his numbers to a point where they aren't falling off all the time. Yeah, we spent a lot of time already this spring talking about what does Mike Schilt do with Matt Carpenter? Like if things aren't going well, like how long is that leash? Same thing in right field with Dexter Fowler. If things aren't going well, you got other options. How long is that leash? We've spent less time talking about Yachty or Molina because we just all 
feel like we know what the answer is. He's going to be back there. He's going to play. Uh, and I, I do think it's something interesting to keep an eye on. But I, I just wonder who that guy is going to be because uh, it, Weeders is going to be the backup catcher. The way that things are set up right now, Kisner is not going to be on this roster. Chances are. Mm-hmm. So he's got to play every day. Yeah, I, well, at this point, I think so. Like, he, look, he'd much rather be in the big leagues. But when you have sure. Matt Weeders there, Kisner's hit tool plays at the big league level behind the plate. He still needs some work calling games. He still needs some work, you know, j- just back there, just overall fundamentals. But I just don't, I don't see the perfect recipe for that to happen this year when that guy's not even going to be on your roster. It's interesting how the Cardinals, for as analytical as they are. They do develop emotional attachments to players. That's clearly what happened to Carpenter and what is happening to Yachty. I'm sure that their algorithms don't show them that Yachty or Molina is going to be a better player than he has been. Yeah, I don't think, though, I don't think they have anything saying that this guy is going to take off, whoever that guy is. Mm -hmm. Like, like Andrew Kisner is going to be markedly better, and I do believe that the organization is smart enough to look at all the things that Yachty does that's not quantifiable and realize that it has tangible uh, benefit to the team. So the, the way that he does usher in a young young pitching staff, the way that he calms things down, even though the numbers have uh, gone up as far as, as, you know, steals and stuff the last couple of years, they're still pretty damn good, you know, overall. I think that there are a lot of different factors that go in instead of just saying, oh, well, he's going to get better. You know what I mean? Well, I wonder if it's – is it – and I – I agree with the intangible stuff and that it can help and it's it's not quantifiable, but I do believe there's a benefit to having somebody like him back there. But is it is that benefit greater than maybe backing off on his playing time a little bit, allowing somebody else to play a little bit more, whether it's Weeders or Kisner? And, and again, I don't think Kisner's on this team because that's somebody who needs everyday reps right now. But is it better for the team, and is it even better for him in the long term of the season, in a six-month season and hopefully longer, is it better for him if they give him more playing time off throughout the year? Because, look, you can, uh, you know, if you're running a marathon, obviously you have to pace yourself. You can't sprint from the very start unless you're one of those freaks, right? Um, so if they pace his playing time throughout the year, does that mean he's he's even better in the later part of September because they've done it that way and they've rationed his playing time throughout the year, I would say you might get a better benefit by doing it that way as opposed to just playing him every single day and running him into the ground like he's 26. Well, you don't know unless you try, right? right. Because that's the thing. We don't have anything else to go on aside from injury the last couple of years. It, the the limited workload in the last two years has nothing to do with the fact that they wanted to give no. him time. Nice, no, but he got hurt. Then he got the uh, hurt. The oh, second uh, hurt. Her bad. Uh, the thing removed. Next up in the fast lane. Not the entire, just like a, yeah, you know. Part of it. It happens. Chris Kerber is the voice of your Red Hot St. Louis Blues. He joins us next on 101 ESPN. Colton Pareko with that wraparound game winner last night in overtime as the Blues knocked off the Islanders 3-2. to two. And the man who called that goal. Those goals. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, is with us now on 101 ESPN. Kerbs will have the call tomorrow night as the Blues take on the Stars. Mitsubishi Electric pregame show at 6. The BMW of West St. Louis skate at 6.30. And then the play-by-play with Kerbs and Joey at 
7 o'clock. Oh, by the way, tonight, Alex Ferrario and Joey Vitale from 6 to 8 with This Week in Hockey, followed by our Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench show, John Kelly and the coach, Craig Berube. Curbs, how you doing? Randy, doing good. How are you? Everything's great. It was interesting last night, and I was listening on the pregame or the postgame show after the wraparound, and you actually mentioned it because of it. Mike Van Ryan mentioned it. Everybody in the world that watches the Blues says, man, we'd love to see uh, Colton Pareko just uh, wind up and, and use that shot that he has. And of all things, it was a wraparound goal that s- stood up as the winner last night. I know. We sat there for probably about seven or eight minutes after the game breaking down that shot in the comments of Mike Van Ryan, and then we had to remind everybody, yeah, but it was his wraparound that won the game. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Like, you have to, you really have to just go to experience on this one here. And, you know, first off, you you really kind of kept questioning, how come we don't see 55 on on the power play? And you got to think, okay, well, there were three different coaches and successful coaches in Hitchcock and Yo and Ruby that haven't used them on that, right? And so you're like, okay, well, then it's not like there's got to be something bigger. They're all seeing something. And But I do I do think the, the reality when it comes to uh, the big 55 there is, you know, for him, it, it's still just learning the game. I, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and you almost tend to realize that he's kind of been, and, and sometimes late boomer seems to have a negative connotation, so I don't, you know, it's not like he hasn't figured it out, you know, but he wasn't scouted as heavily as others, you know, playing when and where he was playing. He goes to play college hockey at Alaska, plays there for three years, you know, comes onto the scene, frankly, maybe a year or so before it was expected. Remember, he was supposed to be – he and Joel Edmondson were competing to be a number seven defenseman, and those two guys basically outplayed Bortuzzo and, and Gunnarsson for roster spots that year. So then, then you just talk to whether it's McKinnis, whether it's Pronger, whether it's Barrett Jackman, all the Blues defensemen that have come through, and we talk about the development. You know, you realize that, that Colton Pareko is in only year number five. I mean, Alex Petrangelo has got basically six years' experience on, on Colton Pareko. And you put all that together, learning how to play defense in the National Hockey League, and maybe this is just continued you know, development where, yeah, the guy didn't with his shot roll on the scene you know, in a ball of fire and start hitting bombs like Albert Pujols did when he first got to the plate. But in the end, you may end up with a guy that's going to prove to be the best defenseman in the league. Absolutely. Uh, Curbs, we're going to uh, put you on hold for a second. We're going to call you right back so that we can get a little bit better connection. Chris Kerber with us on okay. 101 ESPN. And it, it does take a long time for a defenseman to become proficient. It really is the hardest aspect of hockey to learn because you have to skate backwards. You have to, uh, rather than your whole life being aggressive in hockey, you have to learn to be more passive. And especially when you're a defenseman like he is with so much offensive ability, I think sometimes it gets in your head that you do, your whole game becomes passive. And, And offensively, you tend not to do the things that 
everybody else thinks you should. Yeah, but to me, honestly, I think that that is the most impressive aspect about Colton Pareko, as we do have Chris Kerber back with us. Kerbs, uh, I was talking about uh, Pareko in general, and, and to me, one of the most impressive things is that he hasn't gotten caught up in the fact, all the stuff that we're saying, right? The shoot it all the time. The, the he is, uh, He's got so many offensive weapons that he doesn't use all the time. To me, I think that you could see a lot of players just falling in love with that and then forgetting about the other things that they're supposed to be doing that's impressive that he hasn't fallen in love with that aspect is it not i i think it's a good observation and i think one of number one it's his makeup but number two i think there's a couple other factors that play into this and i think if you look at the way the blues structured last year when they really started to get on a roll and started to find their stride they wound up using whether it be uh, carl gunnerson and alex petrangelo or at times vince dunn and alex petrangelo in more of that kind of that puck-moving offensive role, and they really used Bo Meester and Pareko in a shutdown role. And I'm telling you, Al McKinnis, at the end of the year, before the playoff season started, we had a late-season game in Chicago. We were talking to him and Berube, and, and Al McKinnis had no ifs, ands, or buts. He said, I think uh, right now Colton Pareko's the best defending defenseman in the National Hockey League. And that's a heck of a statement there. And then, uh, and then you look at kind of how things have transpired this year, and – they bring in Justin Falk. They want to kind of get him much more involved. But eventually, you know, about three weeks ago, they made the switch. And on that second power play unit, it's really only getting 20 to 30 seconds of power play time, uh, a shift it seems to be. Uh, they, you know, they put him on it. And, and they're making the effort to get it to him. And they put him on the left side where Ovechkin likes to shoot. And they're working on him getting the one-timer. Now, on the same time, Colton is also doing a better job of getting ready to take that shot. And I talked to Larry Robinson in, in training camp last season, and he said, I mean, we're talking about a Hall of Fame defenseman, one of the most decorated defensemen in terms of Stanley Cup championships, whether as a player, as a coach, or, or with an organization. And he said that the people, when Larry Robinson was going into his fourth year, they were saying the same things about him that he's hearing people say about Pareko. Uh, you wish he had a meaner streak in him. You wish he goes, you don't need that. It's just how you use your stick and then how you play, and you can dominate in this league with his size and ability. And I think Larry Robinson over the last 12 to 18 months has just been a spectacular resource for Colton Pareko. And by the way, Larry Robinson will join John Kelly tonight on Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. So, uh, Chris, as we look at this team, there are a lot of different players who have been contributing in bigger ways lately. One of them is Zach Sanford, who has looked so much more confident. He's been he's been just a bigger part of the offense, especially in the last few weeks. What is it about him? What has he figured something out? Is it just that simple that that something has clicked for him? He says that he's really getting an understanding of how to play hard on the puck, how it is to be to play hard against. And and then and then really then it's just trusting his feet and trusting his skill and not having to think about it so much. So once then once a player starts to gain confidence in what their skill can do, they they, they, they quit thinking kind of more about the skill and now you just start to, to play and then that natural talent that got you there really starts to shine. So I think that's part of it. You know, Craig Berube made a comment to us a while back this year, and 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 I think at the time Zach was playing okay, but, you know, wasn't 
and, and hadn't quite had some of the peaks and valleys. And he said, look, players have to realize, and, and he used Zach as an, as an example, but he was really, well, the question was asked more about the younger players coming along. And he said, and at some point a player has to decide, you can play the style of play that you're playing and find a job in the National Hockey League and be okay. But you won't be able to find your job on this team. Mm. Because we play a certain way, we need a certain style, we need you to bring, and Craig's word, guys, is compete. And it does like there's different styles of play with pretty much every skater that the Blues have, but the one thing that he wants to see is compete. And when you ask him about the success of Jordan Kyrie, he's talking compete. When you ask about Robert Thomas, he's talking they're they're, they're compete. Their their willingness to hold on to the puck. They want Robert Thomas to hold on to the puck more, to not necessarily try and get that pass right away, to hold on to it because he can win those puck battles. And I think that goes back to Zach Sanford. And and I, and I. Whether he said made that statement directly to Zach or in one of their coaching sessions, he referred to that kind of idea of, look, you can keep doing this and maybe find a job somewhere, but it just won't be here. Uh, I, I don't know if that statement was exactly made, but if that's the philosophy and that thought process got through, it looks like something has definitely gotten through almost in, in the similar time frame with both Sanford and Cairo. So whatever it was has definitely clicked. Hey, Curbs, one other thing, and I know this sounds strange and simple, but I think last night was uh, – the last two games are another example. The Blues are just good at winning. They're, they're good at finding a way to win games. And when coaches it's, – it's, it's really kind of awesome. It's the part that when you hadn't won a championship before, you didn't hear it. Like every time you go into a building, someone's running a promo, you're playing the defending champs, right? I think it was um, – Dallas Aikens in Anaheim, when asked a question, Dallas Aikens said, look, you're playing a team that won the Stanley Cup. You're playing a team that knows how to win. You're playing a team that knows how to play. And if we don't bring it every single shift, every single one of their players knows how to beat us now. I mean, and you're hearing that kind of statement made by almost every single coach that comes in and everyone is making a statement of they know how to win. And I've told you guys before, Al McKinnis made that comment to me on the flight home from Game 7. And when he said that, that the difference you're going to see now is every one of these players knows how to win, and that confidence you're going to see it in their play. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, Randy. I think Jeremy Rutherford, uh, you know, he broke down on, on Twitter some of the comments from the game last night. And, it, it, I mean, it honest to God looked like an old mid-'90s New Jersey Devils team in the second <laughs> or the third period, you know, and and you're just going, oh, this is boring as hell, you know. And the difference was is it wasn't Martin Brodeur in goal. And so eventually you're going to get those chances, and, and the Blues did and ended up winning the game. Um, and But, man, Jesus team, again, they just seem to be relentless. They don't give up. And here's an interesting thing. And I don't know, Brad, I, Brad, I don't know how this relates kind of to, to the battle like we, we, we always talked about with Chris Carpenter and, you know, and that kind of thing. But when the team in front of Jordan Bennington and Jake Allen see how hard those guys are competing, even if four goals are going in, it fuels the team to say we can come back, and it actually works just the other way too. 
when when the goaltenders see the teams battling back from a two goal deficit, it fuels their compete level, and that's something the coaches talked about yesterday. I thought was a great aspect of this team. Yeah, I think it's cliche curbs, but really, uh, how a team responds tells you how much they care about each other. It, like to to a man, yep. uh, and I think that's a great example, right? A guy like Adam Wainwright gives up six, his team comes back and scores eight. Say, hey, we got you. Like stuff like that is uh, is important, and I think it means a lot. Yeah, and, and that's exactly – we talked about it with uh, David Alexander, the Blues goaltending coach, yesterday morning about the Chicago game and how, look, even when even when the goaltenders are having an off night and four goals go in and five goals go in, the team is still right in these games. Like, you don't feel like you're out of some of these games. And, and that's because of the way they're playing for each other and still competing that way. Curbs, always great to have you with us, and we're looking forward to the game tomorrow night against Dallas. Yeah, that one's going to be an awesome tilt on a Saturday night. I can't wait for it. Uh, have a great show, rest of the show, guys, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Curbs. That is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. Next up, we want your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. The Sport Six Pack is coming your way on 101 ESPN. All right, thanks for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And with your questions for us, here's Big Sis. Uh, this texter wants to know to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, how much credit does Craig Berube deserve for Zach Sanford's uh, his growth, his, his ascent? Uh, it's a healthy scratch at times, but kept him engaged and eventually pushed him to the current success that he's having. A huge amount. The Blues have a way... Uh, a method, a template for developing young players. And unless you're playing the way they want you to play, you aren't going to play. But they also aren't going to give up on you if you don't play the way that you want them to play immediately. And there are franchises that are really impatient with their young players. And the best thing about Barubi with young players is that he's very patient. Well, the, the thing to me is being upfront about what you want, all right? That's what everybody wants. Like, whether it's in, uh, from your employer, if you're a uh, kid that's in school, from your teacher. Like, you just want to know what is going to be asked of you. And once you know that, once you know what the expectations are, it's a hell of a lot easier to live up to what somebody wants you to be. And Craig Barubi is very, very to the point of what he wants, how he wants it. And Randy, as you mentioned, if it ain't happening like that, well, there will be some consequences there. That's a great way to teach. It is also very much on him to accept all of those things, you know. So it's it's a lot on the coaching, and I think Barubi does a really good job of reaching players, but also he seems to have a lot of players who are willing to be reached, and that's a very mm-hmm. big part of this equation. We'll use Yachty as the example here, but obviously his situation is a little different. When you've had... There you go. Keep it going. Uh, When you've had a player like Yachty who wants to stay, but if the Cardinals all of a sudden decide they want to give the young guys a chance, they don't want him around and do not extend him, and he may be threatened or, or looked at going elsewhere. How much should a player's legacy, for a player like that that's been with one team for so long, how much should that matter to the team? It shouldn't matter to the team. Like at the end of the day, look, Yachty's not going to play anywhere else. He's not going to wear another uniform. Uh, but 
that shouldn't be part of it of, uh, wow, what the hell, we'll give you another year just because right. we don't want to see you go anywhere else. It shouldn't be. Now, the reality of the situation is around baseball, it has been. like It's just kind of part of it. Hey, let's give him an extra year on this multi-year deal so we make sure he retires in our jersey. It's not a smart business move, though, to just make sure to have your, your heartstrings attached to something like that. You want to do right by players? But only if that doing right fits within the framework of making the team win. It's that simple. Yeah, well, put that onus on the player, I guess, is, is what I would do. Say, look, if you want to retire as a Cardinal, that would be great. But we're going to need you to do this and accept it. If you if you want to go somewhere else and see what happens, then you know we'll always remember you and, and love you here. Last week, the home opener for the Battle Hawks. What? That was weak. But everybody else had done it. There we go. All right. I'm in. Uh, What progress, what improvements do you want to see from not only fan participation on the domes end, the team's end? What are you looking for? First of all, uh, before we get to what they're doing, the first improvement I want to see is that the people I make plans with to go to said Battle Hawks game uh, be less cheap. That's what I'd like to see. They just all lean on you to get free tickets yeah, somehow? Yeah, so, you know, I got a couple. I got to get yeah. three more. And I've said, hey, guys, what if we all split it like this? And uh, they're all, meh. Just it's say, not even look, bad. I c- can't do it. Yeah. It is like, what I'd it love is. To it's a hot ticket. I could, could pay for all of them. I just don't want to. There's four other people in this mix. I would have helped do pay all if the, I got are, an invite. Are all these people adults that have jobs? Yes. Then Some of them work own, in this building. Buy your own tickets, people I know, that work right? in this building. Right. They work in this building. Let's call them out, like, by name. I'm not going to do that yet. Until if I can convince them to not be cheap asses. Yeah. Or if somebody wants to give me three tickets to the game tomorrow, that'd be great. All right. You've been fishing the last couple of years. Yeah, hell, let's go. 65780 Air Comfort Service text line if you want to go to the game with Ron and all No, 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 you don't get to go with me. Why not? If they're going to give you tickets, what if they have, like, seven tickets Ah, didn't think about that. Great point. Yeah, I'll sit with you. Yeah, that's fine. I'll buy some Um, beer. The biggest thing, guys, that we've heard from social media and we've seen on the text line is just lines in general, right? Like the the expediting things. That's the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Which I I think that you realize like a number of tickets that you sell, but maybe you don't realize the rush on everything else that's going to come with it. It takes reps, you know? Yeah, get in there early, and by the way, wear your blue tomorrow for the blue out. Color Rush, the team is wearing blue on blue, so you should as well. That's right. And you'll get that special... Uh, uh, the towel. Yeah, the, the rally towel. And Raj, if you aren't aware of it, there are 2,000 tickets left for sale I, for tomorrow's Dude, game. I'm all over this. I'm dealing with people here. Imperfect people. Clearly. Who have budgets. Yep. And four-packs are still available. And, and I think these the tickets are perfectly reasonable right now. I'm with you. If you're buying one, maybe not buying four for <laughs> yeah, for but I'm not, and I'm not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not buying four other tickets for people because what have they done for me? You know, lately, ever. <laughs> Randy, in that blues question for the uh, the first question we had for the six pack, you mentioned the template they have to develop young guys. This texter wants to know: with sports being copycat leagues, is there a template that other teams can take from the Blues to try to copy their success? Well, I think you have to have the right coach, and that's very difficult. But the Blues are really patient with their young players. And a lot of people last year wanted Jordan Cairo called up, and they still want to see a guy like uh, Costin before his time. What it, 
uh, what other teams can take from the Blues is being patient at the minor league level and then getting players to understand what the team wants once they get up here. Not just because you have a guy letting him play all the time, even though he's not playing to the specifications that your coach has, making sure that before he's ready to go on a regular basis that he understands exactly what's expected of him. Overall, the Cardinals are pretty healthy. Miles Michaelis' injury is probably one of the, the most severe or most worrisome. Other than that, which worrisome or maybe which health issue bothers you the most on the Cardinals roster? Carpenter's back. How long has he had that? About a week back, actually. I was supposed to be in games again this weekend. Highly precautionary. But here's the thing with, with Matt Carpenter at this point. I don't expect him to – he's not getting any younger. I get that. But I, he can't be hindered by something. You know, it, it just can't happen. So that that worries me a little bit. He's feeling something. I just know with having the bad backs, I'd, ha- I'd have a day where I'd feel a little something – yeah. And the next time I make a big move and I feel a lot of something, I was like, ah, God dang it, here we go again. Now, he uh, he takes care of himself really well. But the thing is with Matt Carpenter, it's like, I, I need him. Like, the mm-hmm. Cardinals need him. Offensively, they need him. That's the one. Well, the other one is Miles Michaelis, I think. And when we talked to Will Carroll yesterday, he said he wasn't worried in the short term with him, but eventually at some point that, that – Elbow could become a bigger issue. If he's not capable of pitching in the rotation and Carlos Martinez is not capable of being in the rotation for the long term, and, and by long term I mean all six months of the season, then you might start to run into some issues here. So with this Astros cheating scandal, there have been some big-name players that have been involved, Bregman, Altuve, what if a player of Mike Trout's caliber were caught up in the mix of all this? How does Altuve that change? Altuve is Mike Trout's caliber, I think. Like when you're talking about like the best players in baseball, I think Alex Bregman's in there too. If if uh, if Mike Trout were to have been on the Astros and part of this and loved as much as he's been loved, he would be hated. He would be absolutely hated. He would be booed. He would be despised in all, by all of baseball, and rightfully so. I think I don't oh, yeah. think and I, I don't think anything would change if he was if it was Mike Trout. Right. In, in the last five years, isn't Altuve the only guy not named Mike Trout to win the American League MVP? Uh, I believe that's the case. Sure. So, thanks, Big Sis. Thank you, and thanks for your text to the hot uh, to the uh, Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Next up. Uh, we want to hear from you. What are your What are you experiencing with sports viewing right now? You leave us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature here on 101 ESPN, and we want to know what you're doing in terms of, like, BT, what are you doing right now in terms of viewing uh, look, sports on TV? I don't know yet. I'll find out tomorrow, yeah, me, I'm I guess. S- um, same. O- overall, though, I-, I am interested how people consume sports now. Randy, yeah. we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how do you watch stuff? Do you stream stuff? Uh, do you bootleg it online? Like, uh, are you, you know, old school, uh, traditional, like you've been watching it the same way? Like, how are you consuming sports currently? It's 2020. How are you doing it? That's are what you- I want. Are you maybe about to sign up for your third streaming service in the matter of five yes. weeks? Yeah. yeah. Or oh, I'm sorry, that was a uh, hypothetical, it, right? Yeah, it's yes not happened to answer. anybody I know that I live with, meaning me. And yeah. when you talk about consuming, this is amazing to me. I was able to watch that fight last week on Twitter. 
people were live streaming that fight on Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was I, like, I've learned from our uh, our listeners and people around the office, there are great ways to just stream live sports all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's unreal how, how many different ways are out there. So how are you watching now? We want to hear with from you with the mic drop feature. Of course, you can also use the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. You're next on 101 ESPN. We want to hear from you with our Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, and you can always use that. You don't have to use it only when we ask you. You can use it when you're watching a game or when you think of something fun or pithy or funny. Uh, feel free to use that mic drop feature all the time with us. We want to know how you're consuming sports these days, and Alec joins us with a mic drop on 101 ESPN. Without revealing my sources as a 26-year-old millennial, I don't pay for any services, and I stream everything via sketchy websites, but it works out, and it's HD, and I can stream it on my Xbox, so this might be the most millennial thing ever, but that's how it works, and it works pretty well. All right, well, uh, I can't blame him. It's a new frontier, man. Yep. Yep. It is. Can't blame him. It is. I mean, if you get to watch what you want to watch, and you're not paying anything right but what about the idea of somebody turning out a product that they by all rights should be paid to turn out oh yeah no i understand that like honesty yeah <laughs> yeah oh well yeah well, that's totally I different guess best policy is what they say well um, but, the, uh, the only reason i'm 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 i can understand where he's coming from and anybody who does what he is is doing is it just seems like it is it's it's far too expensive for a lot of these different um, outlets and for people to pay for them. And things are getting harder and harder to find. As we are all experiencing now, BT and I are experiencing this along with a lot of other people uh, who had just signed up for YouTube TV this month. Like three days ago. Yeah, you got it three days ago. I got it four weeks ago. Three days ago. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> And and Fandango talk to Donnie Fandango. Why it's bull? I almost said the actual word. Hmm. BS. Yeah, it's BS. Sure is. So uh, Donnie Fandango at the point said the same thing to me. He said I signed up for four days ago. I saw his tweet yesterday, and I was like walking around the hallways trying to find him because I wanted to give him a hug. (laughs) It's unbelievable. I get it. But I I think the the bigger idea here is, and look, there's frustration with with that aspect of it. Look, that's that's way above my pay grade. Uh, when it comes to you know who's got the rights, who's paying for it, I don't know any of that crap. I just know that people listening to our show right now, when you're not listening, you want to watch, you want to see. Mm-hmm. So how are you doing it? People are, are streaming it. There are plenty of different ways. Rick is still watching, and he says to Alec, get off my lawn. Now that I got a 75-inch TV, I want to watch it on there. And people are watching on their phones and their tablets and their computers. I think they're crazy. They're going to need eyeglasses, and it's going to be a whole thing. Then they're going to have to have eye surgery to get that fixed. Just watch on your big TV and get over it. Love your show. Bye, guys. So it's a gateway problem, actually. So here's the idea, too, with the with uh, I'm right there with you. With the big screen TV, that's how I like to consume, right? I, I can't stand watching stuff on my phone. I don't really enjoy watching it on my tablet unless I really have to. But you can stream all that stuff too. You got good enough internet. You don't even notice that that it's not like a you know live cable mm-hmm. straight into it. But to me, that that's how I like to watch it. For some reason, like that makes me feel more like I'm there. Like if I'm not gonna be there, that makes me feel like I'm there. When I'm watching on my phone or something, um, and I'll do it out and about, like when I don't uh, care 
who I'm around and mm-hmm. I just want to sure, watch yeah. a game. Like kind of is what it is. But uh, I, I don't I don't enjoy watching it like that. I don't either. I do it out of necessity, like we were doing in Florida when we were out to dinner that one night. Randy put it up on his phone, uh, the Blues game. Yep. We were watching from the Blues game because you had specifically asked the nice lady who was serving us if she would have one of the TVs. They had 500 TVs. And what did she say? She said, oh, yeah, I'll take care of and it. And was she that nice? She was super nice. She was nice enough. She never no, did it. She didn't nice never do, do it. But she never did it. But she acted like she, she was, was polite going to. about yeah, it. She was. Uh, we also have a uh, texter who says, "I watch all of my sporting events through my neighbor's window." <laughs> it's fine. Does it's your free. neighbor know? I don't. Probably yeah. not. Now this is probably one that is prevalent, right? And Alex said, "I'm a millennial. This is the most millennial thing." From the three one four, I use Reddit to watch sports. Plenty yeah. of stream options, it's and right here. there are a lot of people out there that aren't. Uh, they find what they need on Reddit and watch that way. Uh, someone around here at the office yesterday gave me a website that I, I had no idea what it was, mm-hmm. and then I go to it. I'm like, "This is amazing! Yeah. You're telling me I can watch any of these games right now? Like, mm-hmm. sure as heck! You just click on it. and the ones, by the way, that that didn't have a video feed had the audio." Like, like this is this and is ridiculous. We can't tell you what it is because we don't want it to go away. Right? Is it? Yeah, it's so not go find sports, it. Is it? No, people no. know. Somebody from, sent it in like three times yesterday. No. From the three one four, I use Dofu D O F U Sports, and TJ has joined us with a mic drop on one hundred and one ESPN. The satellite guys don't do themselves any favor when a rain cloud comes over the top of the house. I can't even have a Super Bowl party because I'm afraid it'll rain that day. Um, Online's the way to go. Just uh, stream it from the phone straight up to the boob tube. I uh, I, I actually got rid of DirecTV because they're an official partner of the NFL. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> Randy. I did. And so uh, I, I'm fine with Charter. I, I've still got the cable. I don't mind paying for it because the quality is great. And so I still consume sports that way. I, That's um, not too bad. I, I, I had no idea. Well, I've, ne- I've never had a dish before like i i've never done that mm-hmm. but i've been to people's houses that that have it and maybe i'm just over there at bad times so i was like why why is it cutting out right it now? happened all the time what's happening what's going on how do we not have technology to make that better i mean i get it it's magical that we can watch Thing anything is, that we, we do want that's, that's what we're t- that's, that's what we're right. getting right now that's a fact. <laughs> uh, can i tell you the most amazing thing that in hindsight that i think i've ever done i did sign up for it was direct tv yeah. before uh, direct tv was first right before dish I don't know. Uh, whatever. So I signed up for DirecTV, and it was one of those self-install things, and it was in an apartment I was living in, uh-huh. and I did it. And you know that you, when you put the satellite dish up, they just send it to you. You have to angle the satellite exactly right. So you have to turn the box on, and then you have to look at the TV, and it tells you, like, the coordinates, and then you have to go outside. You're... You're really supposed to do it with two people, where one person is outside, you tell them how to move the dish, and then to you're, the oh, left. yeah, to the left, to the right. I was running, <laughs> stupidest thing ever, but it worked. I ran outside, I adjusted it, ran inside to see if it was working, didn't work. I'd go back outside, readjusted some more, came back inside. I managed to do it. It's the most amazing thing I've ever done. I'll never do anything more incredible than setting up a satellite myself. When we used to tailgate before Rams games, I had a portable dish. We had a tripod, and it wasn't a portable dish. It was a regular dish, but I could just take it anywhere. And there was a corner of a building in downtown St. Louis that I knew that if I pointed it to it, I would get the signal. So uh, so I parked in the same spot every time. Okay, just point it to that corner, and I'm good. And it worked. It's amazing how difficult it actually is. Yeah. 
York. I got I got very lucky. Yeah, I give those installers a lot of credit. A couple more quick things. Number one from the six one eight. These leagues make millions, in some cases billions of dollars. I feel like I'm stealing from Walmart. They can afford EPL, NFL, MLB, NHL. Don't miss uh, my few bucks a month. I get passwords from my parents and watch uh, via my. Uh, Roku. Here's the thing. The reason that those teams and leagues can afford it is because people are paying to watch. Yeah. And that money will, at some point, if it's not being some in some way, shape, or form turned over to the leagues, they won't be able to do that anymore. That's exactly right. And it is costing more and more because teams are making so much money from the networks. They're getting paid a lot from the networks to carry their product. Like a lot, of, I, I would think at some point that bubble's going to have to burst. But I would think so. maybe you would not think yet. So, but I, I don't see it happening. Anytime I don't know. Soon. It hasn't happened yet. And what's going to have to happen? The the way the money is going to come now is from online. That's the way it's going yeah. to work. Is that rather than the over the air networks or cable networks, the money like ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus is building up a, a massive audience, mm-hmm. and that's where you're going to find things. From What's now after on. streaming? What's next? Are we going to have Great like three D in our house all the time? I hope so. Am I going to get to pitch again because the game's in my house? Yes, that'd be cool. Yeah, next level is going to be great. And finally, from the 314, presently not able to watch it all. Fox Sports Midwest has removed their channel from Dish. Thanks, Matheny. Oh. <laughs> that was a good usage. I knew of it. The thanks, Matheny. We don't get enough of those. No. Uh, coming up in the fast lane, it's time for another edition of the 4 O'Clock Fight. We'll bring that to you next on 101 ESPN. Meet BT. So good to have you back. Do you mean it? Yeah, of course I sure? mean it. Yeah, we missed you yesterday. Oh, I missed you guys too. You were out yesterday. Oh, of course. Oh, that, that's that. right. That's right. You were. I didn't miss Ranj. Not at Come all. Come on. Yeah, you did. Not at all. It's understandable. Yeah, you did. Uh, me, what are we fighting over today? We've got a pair of tickets to the 30th anniversary of Arch Madness, the 2020 Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball tournament. It's coming back to the Enterprise Center March 5th through the 8th. You can get your tickets at archmadness.com. Very nice. All right, let's bring in today's fighter. It's Stephanie. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? Man, we're doing great. We're having some fun here. We're talking sports. It's Friday. I mean, life is good. Mm-hmm. Is everything good on your end? You happy for the weekend coming up? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. All right, good. That sounded like Mo. Tebow. I'm excited. Oh, t- excited. That's Tebow, right, yeah. Tebow had a day today. Oh, did you see him? Yeah, so think, there was I a. I think pu- I'm going to the Battle Hawks game. There you go. One, so I'll be there. I will be there in my glory. Uh, so, yeah, Tim Tebow took a hot route on a fly ball. Yeah, and it was the final out of the game. They would have won, oh, no. and there were runners on base, and he tripped and fell, and the ball fell in front of him. Yeah. He's going to get called up this year. Where were you on that you, one, you Jesus? Whoa. Whoa. Well, well you got to bring him into it. Whoa. Well, it should have. What do you mean? Whoa. Too far. What are you talking about? He's got a personal relationship. Stephanie, question number one. Yeah, personal relationship and didn't uh, help him there. No. You know what it was? It was probably a sign from God he needs to stop playing baseball, right? Now you're speaking something. <laughs> there were only one set of That's what it was. Uh, question number one here, Stephanie. Which Cardinal... No angels in that outfield. <laughs> uh, what? All right. Sorry. We're going to get a lot of text. Question That's number right. one, Stephanie. Which Cardinal great was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on this date in 1989? Was it Steve Carlton, Bob Gibson, or Red Shane Deanst? 89. Um, I will go with 
Rush Hendings. Question number two. Among players with 50 homer seasons, so at least 50 home runs, the most stolen bases that that same player ever had was 24. Along with Willie Mays, who was the only other 50 homer and 24 steals in a season guy. Is it Alex Rodriguez, Brady Anderson, or Ken Griffey Jr.? Ken Griffey Jr. All right, Stephanie, question number three. Oh, guys, by the way, Stephanie uh, is with her son, Ryan. He's got a Patrick Mahomes jersey on right now. So uh, this cool, one's, this What's up, Ryan? This cool. one's in the bag. Cool. Ryan's got this. Uh, all right, Stephanie, question number three. At 24 years old, Jack Flaherty will be the youngest opening day starter for the Cardinals since 1988. Which 23-year-old started that 88 opener for the Cardinals? Was it John Tudor, uh, Joe McGrain, or Danny Cox? Ooh, um, what was that third one? Danny Cox. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe McGrain. All right, question number four. On this date in 2002, who set the Blues' single-game penalty minute record with 57 minutes against Calgary? That's a lot of minutes. Uh, is it Tyson? One game? Yeah, it says, yeah. Yep, single game penalty. Yep, that's a lot. Tyson Nash. For the whole game, he was in the penalty box. That's correct. Chris Pronger or uh, or Reed Lowe. Well, I guess I'll go with Reed Lowe. Sounds like a big dumb animal to pick. That's right. That's right. Good friend of the show, Reed. Yeah, that's right. We love Reed. Hey, Steph, this is a. Um, you know, it's almost Arch Madness time. So this is the Arch Madness Missouri Valley Conference Tournament bonus question today. All righty. So Arch Madness has been held at Enterprise Center since the building opened its doors in 1994 when it was the Kiel Center. Uh, which of these other locations in St. Louis has hosted the event? Was it Family Arena, St. Louis Arena, or Chaffetz Arena? Uh, well, I guess the St. Louis Arena. St. Louis Arena. Sure All right, perfect. Yep. Let's I'm bring not in... even sure where that's at, but I'm just going to go with it. That's fine. Let's bring in Randy. Okay. Stephanie, how are we feeling? Uh, I, I'm going to... I have no idea. Okay. I'm going to go with a 50-50 on this one. All right, that's fine. Still hard well, to do with five questions, but uh, how's Ryan doing? Is he uh, is he rooting you on? He's trying to be quiet in the in, in the back seat of the car here, so he's he's oh. trying. All right, he's doing a great job. He's trying to behave. Yeah, he's doing good. a really good, good job. job. Randy, say hello to Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? I'm great. How Thank, are you, Randy? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. You ready for this, Randy? Yes, sir. I'm Let's do this. Question number one. Which Cardinal great was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on this date in 1989? Ooh, this date is pretty late. It's during spring training. 1989. The uh, person that went into the Hall of Fame from the Cardinals in that year was Red Shane Dienst. So I would go with him, elected by the Old Timers Committee. 
Question number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, among all the players with 50-plus homer seasons, the most stolen bases ever was 24. Wow. Along with Willie Mays, who was the only other player with 50-plus homers and 24 steals in a season? 50-plus homers and 20, 24, 24 steals. Did you know that uh, Jose Canseco never hit 50 home runs in a season? He was like the first 40-40 man ever. I got yeah. a lot of those Jose Canseco 40-40 club baseball cards. Cool. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the second 40-40 man was Alex Rodriguez. So I will go with him because of his combination of speed and power with 50 homers and 24 RBIs. I'll Very go with good. A-Rod. Randy, question number three. At 24 years old, Jack Flaherty will be the youngest opening day starter for the Cardinals since 1988. Mm-hmm. What 23-year-old was the opening day starter for that 88 season? Well, Joe McGrain was a rookie in 87 and started Game 7 of the World Series in 87. So that would be the logical guy. I will go with... Joe McGrain. Question number four, Randy, on this date in 2002, who set the Blues single-game penalty minute record with 57 penalty minutes against Calgary? This is 2002? That's what it says. I will uh, I'll just, for the fun, I'll do the lifeline. You got Tyson Nash, Chris Pronger, Reed Lowe. Lowsey. And it is time for the Arch Madness bonus question. Love Randy. Arch Madness. All right. So Arch Madness has been at Enterprise Center, the building that is Enterprise mm-hmm. Center, since it opened in 1994. Which of the other locations in St. Louis has hosted the event, or these other locations? Oh, well, you, you tell me where it's been. I can't give you the options. <laughs> well, no, you, I think you've got to give those because I think it's been multiple places. Okay. So you've got to give Randy the options. Okay, so of these three, which one okay. is it? Family Arena, St. Louis Arena, Chaffetz Arena. It can only be, this is only the men's, right? Arch Madness. Yes. Yep. The St. Louis Arena. Right. A.K.A. the Checker Dome. I don't think, has the women's tournament ever the been The women's here? tournament was at Family Arena one time. Okay. We got a winner. Stephanie, he got you, but it was one heck of a fight. Five to four. It is Red Shane Beans that was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1989 on this. A-Rod? Uh, it is A-Rod. Yep. A-Rod uh, is it's A-Rod and Willie Mays, the only players to have 50 or more homers and 24 steals in a season. Joe McGrain was the opener at 23 years old in 1988 for the Cardinals. It is Reed Lowe who had an amazing 57 minutes of penalties against Calgary in 2002. In that game, he fought Craig Baru when they both received uh, five minutes for that one. And it is the St. Louis Arena. Archman has been held at Enterprise since 94, but also at St. Louis Arena. The MVC basketball tournament has been held in three different venues during its time in St. Louis. So, uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for playing and try again. Okay, can can Ryan say one thing real quick? Go, Ryan. Okay, Ryan, ready? Do it, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. There there it is. Appreciate Stephanie and Ryan being with us in the 4 o'clock fight on 101 ESPN. It's 417. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Going to talk some NFL with John Clayton next on 101 ESPN. BT, Ronge and Randy, the fast lane on 101 ESPN. The NFL combine going on this week. 
Man, the Combine used to be what it was all about for St. Louis fans because we always had a high draft choice. And it wasn't like we were participating in playoff games or anything, so the the draft was our Super Bowl. John Clayton is with us now on 101 ESPN talking some NFL. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Has anybody sniffed Henry Ruggs 427 yet? Uh, not yet, no, because we got offensive linemen going today. I mean, you may have one of the biggest linemen doing the fastest 5-240, but uh, you know, nobody's been able to take the rug away from rug. And yesterday, with speaking of that 40, uh, we heard about Albert O, Akui uh, Boonham from Missouri, the tight end who ran a 4-4-9, which is a really, really good time. How much does that raise his stock now? I haven't been able to estimate it yet because, I mean, this hasn't been considered to be a real good tight end class, but it has to raise it significantly because, you know, there's the thought, you know, unless New England takes a tight end at the uh, toward the bottom of the first round, that uh, it may not be anything going until the second round. But you have to think that the way this is, particularly in a tight end oriented league, it's got to help. Now, obviously, if you're going to be doing a 4-4-9-40 as a tight end, there's a good chance you may not be a great blocker. That's not as big of a deal because what teams are looking for is tight ends who can get downfield, catch the ball, get there in zone. So I have to uh, sort it out this weekend to see where it goes. But probably, you know, other than maybe Justin Herbert uh, yesterday, Rugg, although I think he was all set to go to Denver at the very worst in the first round, I think he probably helped himself as much as anybody. John, you've been covering uh, the NFL for a long time, been at plenty of combines. How much, in in your estimation, has the combine changed over the years? I mean, do teams still hold it in the same regard as they have before, or are they using it differently? They're using it differently, and you can see the, the subtle changes even this year. Now, again, my first one was 1990. And there was only nine reporters that covered it, nine. And we were in the Holiday Inn. We're actually by the elevators. There was nothing other than we couldn't get into the dome to be able to watch the watch any of the things. And so all we had to do to get the times was you know, get on uh, regular phones and try to get somebody to call us back. And so that was a little bit different. We didn't have cell phones back then. But then now over the years, I mean, everything's now moved into a convention center. Over a 1,000 credentials are given out. And, of course, what's different even now for teams is that they're finding now with social media with interviews and things like that they probably don't need as many people there Sean McVay for example left all his coaches at home and now even talking to head coaches and they're wondering you know is it worth staying the entire time sure you get the opportunity to spend time with the uh, player and get an idea but also if you have better things to do you know you also got the ability to have somebody else ask the same questions that you might ask and then be able to uh, get the responses because you'll be able to see the video so yeah it's changing a lot and so I think what it comes down to is that technology is making it a little bit easier and a little bit more decision-making as far as who goes and who doesn't go. John Clayton with us on 101 ESPN. And, John, as you know, with collective bargaining agreements, fans ultimately are concerned about being able to see their sport and making sure that there isn't a, a lockout or a strike, but they also want their quality of product to be good. So with that as our knowledge, because fans don't really care about how owners or players feel about this how do you think the cba will be for fans well if it uh, passes it'll be great because then there's labor peace for 10 years there's no out in the deal and the tv contracts can start to be negotiated and that's going to be very lucrative for both sides but if this doesn't pass then it's going to be two years of absolute disaster because uh, i can tell you right now there's going to be a vindictive quality of the owners on a deal that was agreed to by the players association and so now to even dig in 
and get anywhere close to 40% or 50% of what they got in this deal. And I'm not saying it's a great deal. What I'm saying is the deal is agreed upon and just needs to be voted yes. But if there's going to be no, you're going to see so many bad things happen next year that uh, it may take a while to get football because it's not a matter that I mean, everybody, so many people who don't follow this stuff the right way say, well, if the players waited, they would have got a better deal. I mean, if you waited, it wasn't going to happen because, number one, you know, you're in an election year that's going to pull down TV ratings. You're not going to have the networks make total commitments on long term when you don't know if there's going to be football. And so what will end up happening is that the owner is going to come back and put caps on salaries uh, to try to really you know, get this thing done. So this needs to be voted on, whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. And they basically set it up so the eleven hundred players making the minimum get a significant increase. But if it doesn't go, there's probably problems after this year. John, is there generally this much turmoil with the players? I mean, you're hearing a lot of back and forth, and it feels like it's between the haves and have-nots. You mentioned the 1,100 players making the minimum, but is, is this a normal thing during CBAs, or is this different? No, it's different. I mean, but again, you know, because usually, uh, you know, the, the union represents totally what the players want. Well, in this case, there was a faction of the players, which is understandable, that didn't want 17 games. And you can understand it. I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're Russell Wilson, you're J.J. Watt, you put your body through a lot for 16, and then you come back and you say, oh, now you want me to play a 17th game? Can't do it. Don't want to do it. Richard Sherman, same way. So what you're looking at is the 272 players making over $6 million a year saying, we don't want to do this. The problem is, if you're one of the 1,100 players making the minimum, you're saying, wait a second, I get a $100,000 increase, I'm going to practice a little bit less, there's going to be less toll in the body, I just have to sacrifice one game, and of course, if I don't vote for this, then I'm probably not going to get any money next year. So, it's it, 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 as uh, kind of DeMora Smith said, hey, democracy is messy, and right now democracy is in there, and the haves don't want to do it, and the have-nots have to decide. You know, John, I can't believe nobody's talking about this, but where's Tom Brady going to play next season? Oh, geez. It's amazing <laughs> to think that, uh, you know, and of course, I mean, everybody's kind of, it was funny because uh, I was supposed to do a, a column this uh, day or next day on the on Brady and all that stuff. And everybody's going into the overreaction mode as they can because it's the biggest story in sports right now or one of the biggest stories. But, you know, first off, you know, they're making a big deal out of, gee, Brady hasn't been talked to by the Patriots for money. Well, they don't know what the cap is yet. They have because of the you know, the talks between the players and the uh, and the owners. You know they haven't determined next year's cap. They're working on it this weekend, so they should should know it by Monday. But you know it's a big deal because it is it two hundred million, two hundred and five million. So they're making a big deal that they haven't talked to the to him. So they definitely want him out, and he wants out. Well, again. They're letting him hit free agency. So he gets the taste of free agency. But now the question is, does he get the full dinner? So now there's five to six teams are going to go meet him on the 16th, and he'll have to start listening to those offers. But right now the Patriots really can't do anything, and Brady, I think, understands that because you don't know what the cap's going to be yet. And, and they'll know it in a day or two, but right now they don't know it. And, John, even with that being the case, multiple reports out there that Philip Rivers is going to land in Indianapolis. No surprise that there would be discussions between the Colts and Philip Rivers. Are you buying those reports, though? I am, but, uh, you know, like anything else, you still have to get the deal done and what's the price going to be. And naturally, if you're going to be the Colts, you have to do your due diligence. And, you know, on the 16th of March, you've got to look, unless you can get a deal now with Philip Rivers, you have to look and see and talk to, uh, you know, Tom Brady and see where he is on things. Because, you know, if it doesn't work out with Rivers, then you can work it out maybe with Tom Brady. So, uh, you know, it's still to be played. But to me, it makes the most sense.
Hey, what are the Bucks going to do with Jameis Winston? They don't know. I mean, How like, is that uh, possible? You know, well, because, I mean, Bruce Arians said it. And, you know, it's like, and Bruce Arians is about as uh, forceful a uh, person saying what he thinks at the moment. And uh, so basically the other day, it's like, I haven't decided yet. And so now he's got ankle, oh, he had knee surgery from meniscus, which shows that he's tough enough to play through that. He had uh, LASIK surgery, but I kind of wondered, did he get the right one? Because it was for nearsightedness. And I noticed his interceptions are more downfield than near. So it's like, did he get the right surgery there? And so uh, he threw 30 interceptions. And, of course, Arian said 20 of them were all on Jameis. And then the other day, just boom, they asked him, it's like, hey, is there one quarterback that you might look at? And he said, yeah, Tom Brady. And so they're in on the Tom Brady thing. They're also in on Phillip Rivers. So basically, they haven't decided yet. John, are the Battlehawks the best XFL team you've ever seen? Uh, no. Oh, come no. on. Houston right now. What well, are you talking about? Let's put it this way. Uh, all, all I can tell you is the best two fan bases in the XFL, one's in St. Louis and one's in Seattle. And uh, St. Louis had, you know, again, they're, they're, it's, it's not even close. The best two fan bases for the XFL are in these two cities on the two teams that play tomorrow. And so, uh, you know, selling and selling well. And I think that's great for the sport. And I think it's great for the future of the sport. I think it's great for St. Louis. And, John, we've always looked at this as one of those rivalries where you throw the records out the window. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Well, because there's no records, yeah. So you can throw it out the window, but you're not going to break the glass. You know, everybody who's on our show has really taken to the Battle Hawks. Even though you're in Seattle, you're based there now. Um, people here have really rallied behind this team. And... Um, when they rally behind them, there's a, a particular rallying cry, and it goes like this, Caw-caw! and everybody we've had on the show has done that for us. Is it possible, John, that you would do the same? Thank you. Is. Is the best. Yeah, he You're is the, the best. best. I, I love it. Thank you, John. Have a great I, I, weekend. I, I, I tell you what, I mean, I, so far, uh, the only game that I've missed of the XFL, you know, for, I have not gone in person yet. Uh, you know, I, I have Jim Zorn on every Monday uh, on my show at 11 o'clock. But one, one of the things that uh, I have, the only game that I missed was two weeks ago on a Saturday when I had to go pick up food for my wife. And the, the, the place that I went didn't have F, F, FS1. So that's like the only game that I've missed. But I've watched every game so far, and I've loved it. See, football people just love football. There that's it the way is. it is. John, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Okay, thanks. Take care. We just got a cacao out of John Clayton. Good that's job, right. Ronch. Yeah. Well, like I think he was Seattle. Honestly, I think he was dying to do it. You think so? You know, it, yeah. He was Lieutenant Colonel Jessup on the stand. He just wanted to say it. You damn right I did. <laughs> hey, if you haven't noticed, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred hates baseball. We'll prove it next on 101 ESPN. Michael Rappaport's going to be at the Helium Comedy Club on Sunday night. Tickets are uh, available at the Helium Comedy Club site. Just Google it, and you can get tickets 7 and 9.30. Guys, uh, they're doing a, Helium is doing comedy shows at Topgolf. And so you can go what? in there. And so, like, tonight at 7 and 9.30, they'll have comedians there. And you can enjoy a comedy show and then uh, play some Topgolf, too. I'm going. I'm going at 7 o'clock. To are the you 7 really? o'clock huh. comedy show, yeah. Pretty Who cool. Are the comedians, you know. I do not know. That's even better. Kind maybe. of a grab bag. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So idea. and they're teaming up. You know they'll be good because they're teaming up with Helium, 
and you can you can go to the Top Golf website, and it's I think tonight and tomorrow, and then they've got them in March too. But that's a pretty cool setup, isn't it? To do comedians for an hour and a half, and then you play golf for an hour and a half. Look, combining great things is never a bad idea. No, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I like the idea. I've told you guys forever, Ronj. I know you're a huge fan too. Yeah, stand-up comedy to me is like one of my favorite things. Like I just really enjoy it. I find myself driving in the car, listening all the time. Uh, I, I love going to shows, although I haven't gone to as many as I, I would like to. And I just think that it would be so nice to be able to have the freedom on a stage to basically pretty much overall say whatever you want. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it really is. Doesn't matter. Almost. Yeah. Almost whatever you want, because it's about the safest safest medium that is still out there. If, if you think I say some things right here that are like, oh, I can't believe you say that. Yeah. Let, me, let me do an open mic night. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, all of us, uh, well, at least Brad and Chris and Randy are uh, dismayed that next week we're going to be out when Steve-O is in town what? because he's been one of the more entertaining comedians, and I wasn't even here, and I'm still entertained uh, by, by what Steve-O did. You weren't here when Steve-O was, was here? not. Nope. You missed the episode? I yeah. did. Oh, my goodness. For those that don't remember, when Steve-O was here, um, he kicked meat so hard in the junk that he felt it for three or four days. Meat three or four? Three or four, at least. He mm-hmm. got him to the point where our uh, our big boss, John Kiowski, like mm-hmm. pulled him aside, pulled me to the side and said, hey, are you okay? <laughs> like, no, he didn't say that. That's not what John said. He said, are you okay? Like, like really worried that meat was going to sue. He said he couldn't eat. Meat just told me that he couldn't eat. <laughs> yeah, Seriously? Okay. Oh, uh, it wasn't so, that No, come bad. on, for real, did you... Oh, no. Yeah, All right, yeah, he was, he was totally okay. okay. We've had some good ones on uh, as well. Bob Saget was a fun one. It was very funny. Uh, to, we should get him again. Him on. I agree. I agree. I missed that one. I, I, that was before my time. Hmm. He's a great comedian. He shocks a lot of people that yes, just he watch does. Full House. Yes, he does. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, maybe uh, Half Baked ended up doing that for him, too. I think that that was one where people were like, oh, is that... Did, did mm-hmm. Bob Saget just say he used to do something? What? For Coke? And <laughs> <laughs> who was the guy we had a couple of weeks ago? I actually wound up going to uh, his set at Helium, and he was terrific. But oh, J.T. Uh, Miller? J.T. Miller, J.T. Yes. Miller. He T. was J. very Miller. funny. T.J. Oh, T. Miller. T. Miller, yeah. Uh, did he have all, a bunch of props, he said? He said he brought... Yeah, he had somebody play a trombone for him, and he he juggled. He was great. Did he see you and recognize you and say, hey? No, I was towards the back of the okay. room. Okay. Were you on your cell phone? Because he warned you. Yeah, I was not on if my cell phone. In fact, he saw the light of the cell phone that he was going to wear some people out. He did a really good job of engaging the audience. So, and I think that's one of the fun things about comics at times is those that can engage the the crowd in a good way make it a better show. Yeah, I, I really enjoy listening to somebody that can roast the audience, but I. I would never want to be the one that's getting roasted. Is that right, weird? That's, that's why that, you sit in the back. That that's why you sit in the back. No, so you yeah, don't you pop don't want off, that. Right? Don't, right? Don't have too many drinks early at a venue and, and, and say anything. Because these guys are freaking savages. They they will ruin your life in uh-huh. a matter of a couple of minutes if you pop off. You think you're funny? Wait till you get in front of a comedian that, that knows how to like just take you down peg they by peg. Do it for a it's living. It's a beautiful thing. It well, really is. I don't understand what the psychology is. Of believing you're supposed to be in the crowd and shout back at the guy on stage. Who do you think you are? 
know, unless yeah, they ask for that. you ever go to a movie and shout at the movie screen? Uh, no. You laugh and you cry and you go, whoa, I can't believe that happened. But you don't yell at the movie. That's you right. don't interrupt the film. No. Unless you have to make a phone call. That's different. Randy, we did get a text, by the way, mentioning, uh, I believe it was the T.J. Miller show. Uh, you said he played the trombone. Did mm-hmm. it sound okay? He didn't. Uh, he had a, a person from the crowd play it. So it went wah, wah. Oh, it was pretty okay. cool. All right, because oh. somebody was wondering if it was rusty. Uh-huh. But apparently it was not. It was fine. Uh-huh. Everything about it was great. So that was fun. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so... We uh, we're going to talk to Michael Rappaport well, let's do right that. now. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, he is with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Cardinal World Series champion Brad Thompson, Chris Ranji, Randy Carricker, and Michael is going to be at the Helium Comedy Club at the Galleria seven o'clock on Sunday and nine thirty on Sunday. And you can get tickets at their website. Michael, good to have you with us, and uh, welcome back to St. Louis. How you doing? Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm excited to be performing Sunday night at the. Helium Comedy Club. I'm excited to uh, be back in St. Louis, and uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Man, we were just talking about the the fact that we'll say some stuff on this show oftentimes where people will be like, how could you say something like that? It may be a little bit off color, maybe a little bit wrong at times. Maybe we're too soon every once in a while. But it is nothing like being a stand-up comedian. Do you just love the freedom? I mean, you've done everything in this business, but do you love the freedom of being on stage? I do, I do love the freedom. That's, that's exactly what I love. I love the unpredictability of it, for better or for worse. I love, you know, walking to the edge and walking it back. Um, you know, I, I, the, the tour, uh, this comedy tour is called Disruptive Comedy. Um, you know, I poke fun at myself and, and, and you know, go down the line. Uh, but I have a good time doing it. But definitely the freedom is, 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 uh, is the rush. And, and you know, Stand-up comedy is sort of a never-ending uh, puzzle. You know, as long as you're living and observing and feeling and, you know, uh, being frustrated or, or everything in between, you know, I think stand-up comedy, you can continue doing it forever. So I'm, I'm really enjoying doing it. It's my first time doing it in St. Louis Sunday night. And, uh, you know, I love the Helium Clubs, and, and I'm excited to perform for the first time Sunday at the Helium Comedy Club in, in your city, St. Louis. We were just talking before you came on with us about uh, hecklers and what the psychology of a heckler is to feel like they need to be part of the show. Is it all booze? Uh, what's what's wrong with hecklers in general? A lot of it's definitely booze. You know, I haven't had any sort of, disruptive hecklers you know a lot of times if i have people shouting they're like talk about this talk about that what do you think of this what do you think of that so i haven't had anybody who's been sort of confrontational i don't know why someone would do that you know comedians are trained professionals they also have the the loudest voice in the room because of course they have the mics so i don't know what i think the majority of the time it has to be uh you know just that one two or three too many drinks (laughs) <laughs> Michael Rappaport at the Helium Comedy Club on Sunday night, and you can get tickets at the Helium Comedy Club website. Michael, this cannot have been a great week for you with your Yankees, with the Stanton injury and with the Severino injury and all the stuff that's happening. That's a deep team. They're going to be pretty good, but it's always a, a hit when you lose guys like that. Yeah, it's been frustrating. Uh, you know, I think you know, uh, baseball right now, I'm, I'm so down on it because of what happened with the, uh, the Astros. It's really, you know, I think it's going to, you know, 
it's going to really be the, the, the focus of the entire season. You know, uh, um, I feel like there's nothing else anyone can do but to sort of sweep it under the rug because it's such a disappointment and it's so it's just such a it's such a disappointment, you know, for fans and, and uh you know, I know St. Louis is a huge baseball uh town and you know for me and you know the Yankees and, and you know we went up against them, it's to cheat on that level and, and the fact that they won the World Series, it's gonna be a, one of the most interesting uh seasons ever. Uh and yeah, the, the Yankees uh you know suffering our injuries, you know, we, we picked up these guys and then now we have to you know sort of regroup so it's 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 very frustrating las vegas put an over under out there on how many hit batters that the astros would have this year the over under is is at 83 and a half what do you got that that they're going to get hit 83 to that's the over under that's great no i I don't don't think i don't think because they're they're going to stop that they're going to they're going to be tight on it You, you can't do that as much as you want to, you, you, you can't do it. It's going to wind up turning – it's going to make baseball into uh, 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 worse than it is. And right now, it's – in my opinion, this is worse than the steroid era. Uh, um, and and uh, that was bad, you know, but at least it was fun. Uh, this is not fun. This is an embarrassment. You know, at least the home runs, we were enjoying them while it was happening. Uh, this is This is something else. This is a whole – whole other level of, of disappointment and and uh, and stain on on professional sports across the board i agree with you and I, I hold the same stance of it being worse than the steroid era at the very least though while you you got a little disdain for baseball right now who care you're right it's all about the astros at least you got the knicks to look forward to you know is that why you're traveling right yes. now and doing a, as, as many dates as you are so you don't have to watch Yes, I love the, I love the transition. At least you got the Knicks. At least at least that's going good for me. Yes, that's why I'm on the road and I'm trying to be as far away from New York as possible. Uh, the Knicks are pathetic. Uh, 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 they've been pathetic. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, we've been frustrated for years and years and years. We haven't won a ring since I was three years old. I wasn't even diaper trained. Um, I was I was in I was in diapers. I wasn't even potty trained, and I hope. That I don't have uh, to be wearing a man diaper the next time they win a championship. I hope I'm not old and you know, uh, uh, you know, don't know what's going on. It's been frustrating, but the NBA itself is is in a good place. It's been a great season, but I do not support the New York Knicks anymore. I refuse to do it. Well, who do you do, do you not support? You don't have a team anymore. I thought you couldn't quit the Knicks. Oh no, I quit them. I quit them. I've done it. I've, I've done it. I won't watch another game. I don't follow them. I don't care if they win or lose. Uh, I, I'm done. I'm done. I, I really am done. And and uh, uh, I, I love the NBA so much. You know, there's so much to watch. There's so much young talent across the league. And uh, you know, we're you know we're heading into spring soon, and the playoffs are are going to be here before we know it. And uh, I can't wait to it to enjoy it because I do love the league, and I think it's going to be a, a great playoff series, uh, a great playoff run. And uh, you know, then we have baseball, and then uh, and then of course we have football. One of my things about St. Louis, I think it's disgusting that they they took away football from uh, from St. Louis because uh, you know growing up the Cardinals were were such a part of of the NFL you know in the seventies eighties and and uh, you know I think it's a shame that you guys don't have football in St. Louis. Well, uh, yeah, we do too, and we still um, I think we kind of dwell on it maybe a little bit too much. We got the Battle Hawks though. What do you yeah. think of XFL? 
Well, I've heard that you guys are really into it so far. I mean, I think it's it's okay. You know, it's not the NFL. Uh, I think it's I think it's okay. I think it's interesting. I think it's something to watch. Um, I think they should have waited a week or two or three uh, to start it uh, instead of going right after the Super Bowl. But I think it's fun, and you know, there's there's so many alternative fans and 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 ways to watch sports and watch TV and all that stuff. So I think it'll do well, and and, and I, I I have no problem with it. I know you mentioned uh, the Knicks. You're trying to stay away from them, or you are staying away from them altogether. Um, to occupy your time, at least fantasy football is not frustrating for you. I love it so much. I love it so much. I love fantasy football, and I'm sure uh, St. Louis, even though you don't have a team, I'm sure it's big out there because I know they, they love football and they love, they respect football and they know football out there. I love fantasy. Unfortunately, I came in second uh, in both of my leagues, uh, which was very, very painful. Uh, you know, I'm just sort of reeling uh, and getting over those losses. I'll start my prep preparation in July. I start, of course, the mock drafts, and then I go into duress mock drafting, of course, and and then, and then I go into uh, uh, you know full on uh, you know draft mode. So I can't wait for that to start up. But but right now I really am focused on uh, basketball. And, uh, you know, baseball with, with my Yankees. And, of course, being here in St. Louis at the Helium Comedy Club, 7 o'clock and 9.30 Sunday night. Michael, great to have you with us. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on, and I can't wait to rock uh, for the people in St. Louis Sunday night at the Helium Comedy Club. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Looking forward to it. It'll be awesome. And you can just go to the Helium Comedy Club website and get tickets there. Coming up next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We skipped something earlier that we're going to do now. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if we well, did. Well, you find oh, that. Oh, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it, it, or leave it, it because okay. we haven't done it yet. Let's do yeah. that. Let's take go. It, it's coming your way. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. A little late for Tioli, but we're getting it to you, and you can participate via the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Big Sis, what do you got? Jerry Jones. He's the gift that keeps on giving to NFL sure. fans and sports fans everywhere. Uh, Jerry, being the owner, has made himself kind of the front man, the PR guy, the mouthpiece for the Dallas Cowboys, and a lot of us, a lot of people out there, think that he should probably stop. This week, he was asked about Des Bryant, and he proved why we are all right. You heard the talk about from Des Bryant wanting to come back and play. Have you visited that at all? I have not talked to Des directly. I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. Yeah, I have been. I have been. I'm not dismissing it. I mean, I'm, I don't want to sound like it should be dismissed by saying that. Right. I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no well, other place to think about you it. Just needed three <laughs> words left out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, haven't talked to him, but I've been thinking about it in the shower. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. Why would you say in the shower? I thought I was the only one thinking about Des Bryant in the shower. I didn't realize there were at least two of us. I I guess you know what? For a man like Jerry Jones, billionaire, right? There's like you're probably busy. There's probably very few times where you just get to like think think about what you want to think about. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the time. It's it's creepy though. It is creepy. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Fellas, what part do you think he's washing? When, never mind. Go ahead, Randy. The MLS season opens tomorrow with the D.C. United yes. taking on the Colorado Rapids at noon. And the MLS will open up here in two years, in 2022. Take it or leave it, this will be the last year that we don't preview MLS in the fast lane. Oh, take it. Preview games? 
preview the season yeah, as we're gonna, it gets underway. It's oh, very soon. So next year, there won't be an MLS team, but we'll be only a year away. Okay, yeah, I guess I'll take okay. it then. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. I'm excited. I think so. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it. There's going to be a rush uh, rush of sales on Barry Sanders jerseys. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it as yeah. well. I mean, it seems like a good one. The, if you haven't seen the Garth Brooks blowing up, doing a show in Detroit wearing a Sanders 20 jersey and people thinking it was not Barry but Bernie. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. And like we said earlier, a lot of people that were commenting – being angry at him are people who are old enough to know who who Barry well, Sanders but, was. But they're not is. people that are looking for it. People just look to get triggered. They just want to be like upset. It's like, Sanders! God! What are we doing? The Lions retweeted a photo that says Barry 2020, and they said, you've got our vote. <laughs> uh, well done. <laughs> Take it or leave it. And uh, this I thought of because Mike Florio had written about this earlier today that this is going to be one of the biggest tests for the XFL in terms of television ratings with the NFL Combine happening over the weekend and XFL games obviously happening over the weekend. We know it's going to go really well here in St. Louis. Our Battle Hawks are, are going to get all sorts of viewers and way more Battle Hawks viewers than Combine viewers. But take it or leave it, there are more nationally, nationally more Combine viewers than XFL viewers over the weekend. I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I will too, because the preponderance of the combine is going to be on NFL Network. And you've got Big Fox carrying the Battlehawks game tomorrow. You've got ESPN. I think, well, you do have an ESPN2 game because ESPN or ABC is carrying the MLS opener on Sunday. But you've just got stronger networks than the NFL Network that are going to be carrying the XFL. Big says. Take it or leave it. Jerry Jones is a shower beer kind of guy. Oh, take uh, it. I'm going to leave it. I think at one time he probably was, but he's not fun enough to be a oh, shower beer guy. I think he's guy. plenty funny, fun you enough, think so? but I think that he's more highfalutin. I, I think he's a top... Uh, Champagne? No, like you a You can't scotch. take cocaine in a shower, BT. Oh. Um, oh. oh, speaking allegedly. from experience. I'm just saying, allegedly. like, um, allegedly. I think yeah. he's a shower scotch kind of guy. I Me, mean, you love scotch, don't you? Uh, I'm getting into it. Yeah, I, I dabble here and there. Or you've been dabbling in bourbon more and more. I, I've been trying to get into a little I bit of bourbon. I see you working. Excuse me. To me, the Eagle Rare and uh, Eagle Rare solid. That man. was good That's stuff. Good. They polished off a bottle of it. No, we did not. No, we no packed, you did. We packed it. Oh, we you brought packed it back it. Yeah. safely. Very and good. I forgot to keep scotch. End of the night. Yeah, I forgot yeah, to keep my receipt. I was supposed to expense that. <laughs> Is that expensable? Don't think so was going to try if I'd have kept my receipt. Mm. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Blues will have more wins in the playoffs than Wayno has all season. I'm going to leave that. That's a great one. So it actually is a really good one. And I'm going to... It's going to be hard for them to win 20 games in the playoffs. Yeah, it is. Because you can only win 16. That's right. I'm going to leave it. That's right, Randy. Might be a wash. That's so right. Maybe 16 each. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to take it. Sunshine, I'm gonna lollipops, take it. and rainbows. Either way we go. We're together. Really, either way you go here is sunshine and lollipops. Can't, yeah, you can't lose. Uh, yeah, you can. Oh. If Wayno, like, only pitches Wins for a, a month. Wins a game and yeah. lose win two. 
Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, that's though. A loss. Blues are winning at least double digits in the playoffs. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. You looked them up, didn't you? I sure did. You did not do that on your own. No, <laughs> no, but I had to I remembered, because though, I had forgotten. I remembered I just now. To. Take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson will wear number five for the Cardinals. <laughs> leave it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and leave that. I believe he's going to be number three. He's been number eight in the minors, and that's not going to be given to him because the skipper has eight, and there aren't any other single digits available for the Cardinals. Five is going to be retired at some point. What's the point of putting that on somebody else? Honestly, especially a big prospect. Right. You know, that's a heavy jersey. You know, they make them out of like really light material. Mm -hmm. That five's heavy. Yeah. Wear that. So give him number three. Carlos Beltran wore number three, and that was his hero. Right. Beltran was three here, and that was Dylan Carlson's favorite player. That works. Whether he's wearing the number three or not this year, take it or leave it, Dylan Carlson will play, not necessarily start, but play in at least 80 games. Take it. Take that. Take it. I'm going to take it, too. Yep. I'm in. Good. I'm in. Good job, Big Sis. Thank you. Thanks. That is uh, Brad Barnes with your questions. For us on Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN, we're headed down the stretch of this week of the Fast Lane, and that means we've got a little game of Would You Rather. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. It's going to be a sec. We've got a game of Would You Rather as we close out this week here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Big day of sports tomorrow. Four o'clock, of course, you've got the Battle Hawks as they take on Seattle at the Dome. Still a couple of thousand tickets available. You can get them at xflbattlehawks.com. And it's going to be a blue out. They're going to wear their blue on blue. They're going to give out blue rally towels with their secondary logo. And it's going to be a super Saturday of sports because not only do you have the Battle Hawks at the Dome at 4, but at 7 o'clock, Blues Hockey. They're going to take on the Dallas Stars at Enterprise Center at 7 o'clock. And the pregame, the Mitsubishi Electric pregame show, is at 6 here on 101 ESPN. So uh, LGB. Oh, and T. Oh, yeah. Tamu. Tamu. Oh, yeah. And uh, Thomas. Thomas. There you go. That Randy, works now. For, I didn't even think about the fact LGB works for both teams. Yeah, it really does. Didn't even think about it. You're forgetting the biggest event in St. Louis tomorrow. The SIUE Cougar women are tipping off at 4.30, Randy. Oh, that's a uh, big one, too. Another e- against part Eastern Illinois. Big so, Super Saturday yeah. of sports. Um, Prepare yourself. And you'll be on the call. Yeah, I will be. ESPN+. Plus. I mean, they're due, right? They've lost a couple in a uh, row? Yeah, 15. Uh, they're due. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow's going to be the day. Due factor. Going to get it done. Did you say they've right. lost 15 in a row? Yeah. Is it yep. the last game of the year? It is. See, they got to win this yep. one. Yeah, Go out on to. top. I'm rooting for the Cougars. Me thanks, too. Me thanks, too. Thanks, Love guys. Cougars. Well, the Air, big Coug guy. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Big says, what do you got? Would you rather, every time you go to a public bathroom, have a hose, a public hose that you clean yourself off with, everybody cleans themselves off with, (laughs) at the end, or have somebody awkwardly and creepily peering over your shoulder while you do your business? I'll use the hose. I'll take the uh, peering over my shoulder. It's fine. There's already a hose. Like in, in Europe, it's called a bidet. But where's the water go in there? Like, it's just like on back the floor the, and stuff? Or I, I don't yeah, know. Back down to the little... Uh, I'll have somebody creeping over the shoulder. That's fine. I mean, it's not great. It's not ideal. The hose seems just messy. I think it's going to be I don't entertaining. Think so. I think you're going to be much cleaner in the end. Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. You're going to be cleaner in the end. 
I'll <laughs> pull my pants down all the way. Had to repeat way. that. <laughs> well, you, well, you don't have to take them off. <laughs> well, just saying. He's talking about a, a deuce. Oh, he was? Yeah. Somebody, where's he sitting? Behind your shoulder? He's, he's like perched on the back of the <laughs> toilet? Yeah, been, it's very easy if you're in a stall over to look over the top if you oh, want to stand on the I, toilet. I was just picturing right behind Like me. at a urinal. Yeah. Like, yeah like, no, no, no. Yeah. No, he's talking about... Oh. Two hands on the stall wall looking <laughs> over it. How are you doing down <laughs> there? On, I'm just going to go with that. Everything good? Need some more toilet paper? Could you, you know, courtesy? Can I try to give him more paint? <laughs> yes, you could. All right. I'll that, take that. Actually, I do believe that's you can go to jail for it. The war paint thing? Mm-hmm. Not if somebody's creeping in. Not if they're in my area. I don't if know. He- if their face is in my stall, you're telling me I can't give a little wipe and then a whoop, whoop? I don't know, man. <laughs> No, I don't know, man. For sure, I'm in the right here. You think so? Yes, the police will be by 65780. If you are listening. an officer of the law or maybe a lawyer, if somebody encroaches upon my space, which is my little, my stall, okay, do I have the right to do whatever I want to them? Can, can I wipe something on them? <laughs> I don't know if you can, but like let's can. find Somebody out. Let's, let's find like, out from the uh, look, the authorities. If, if we found out that we could listen to the fast lane and what we eat in prison, we could find this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we've got a disgusting text line on this Friday no afternoon. Here's another one. No Would kidding. you rather get the Hershey squirts in a pool oh, come on. or mm-hmm. pee yourself at work? I'd rather pee myself yeah, at work. Yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. definitely. Would you rather... It's the coolest. Would you rather not have headphones on a plane... Or at the gym, I'd rather not have them on a plane. Actually, me too. Who, who I don't mind that. Uh, for some reason, like the plane, it's loud, but it kind of puts me to sleep. It's like one of the like it's a dull noise. Yeah, white noise. Um, but at uh, at the gym, I like to have headphones. See, and I agree with you after our experience on the plane the other day because I have noise canceling headphones. I can assure you, they do not work. Hmm. It wasn't that bad. It was bad. It wasn't that kid, that bad. That kid was dying. He wasn't dying. His ears were popping. He was dying. Was screaming so. a little. So- a I will little. say this. I will say this with him. So the kid was screaming for... The, the setup was behind Randy. It was a mom who... Poor thing. I mean, she had her hands full, right? I Two kids. Dad! Yes. Okay, so dad... I want dad! Yes, dad was sitting right there. Dad, jump into action. No, just... Yeah, man. Shh, shh, shh. No, the kid wants you. Pick I up the kid. Dad! Sit the kid in your lap and you're fine. Like that stuff. As soon as oh dad, after God. 20 minutes, did that, the kid was like, mm, I You're love fine. dad. Yeah, Everything was like, fine. Good lord. Dad's just sitting over there being a chump. He sure was. He was across the aisle, but he was being a chump. He was uh, the, right next to his yeah, wife. Yeah, right next to her, yeah. Whew. It, it, anyway, noise canceling headphones don't work. Lawyer here. <laughs> Technically, you can't do war paint. You can, you. <laughs> <laughs> you can only defend yourself. You can only defend yourself if attacked. Otherwise, two wrongs don't make a right. Darn it. Do it. <laughs> Who knew? Do it. Thank war you. paint. Brad, that's assault. It's bodily fluids. It's a felony. Former From a prosecutor. former prosecutor. All right. Oh, but yeah, that would be stall. All right. No, I trust Doesn't matter. you guys. Uh, one more here. Would you rather? What are we behind- going to talk about after that? I don't know. I feel like that's <laughs> that's as good as it gets. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Would you rather have Ted Williams' headless body just miraculously standing behind you, <laughs> or turn around and see just his head floating? The with head, no body? totally the head. The head, yeah, I think just he- the head. Because it could be any body. They could feel fool you with that. What if he's right? in his uniform? 
Full uniform body? Oh, okay, without a head, then you'd know. I think I'd rather see the body then. See if it could hit without eyes. I want the head, so I'm going to ask him some questions. You can't talk, Runge. Yes, you can. He can't. If you're, if he's a floating head, he can talk. Oh, he's definitely talking. If he's yeah, a absolutely. Head. Okay, he can then, talk. I'll, then I'll go ahead. I'll say, hey, good to hey, see you, buddy. Hey, you mad about this? Teddy, teddy ball game. Did you ever think you're going to be treated like this? No, no, I didn't actually. Yeah, I thought I would just die. Right. With dignity. You know, did I tell you guys that uh, our puppy has taught herself how to get ice cubes out of the ice cube maker? She goes up to the freezer and puts her paw on the ice cube dispenser now and gets a, gets herself an ice treat whenever she That's wants nice. Can she talk? Not like Ted Williams' head. But I mean, the, the, I, the ice thing in Ted Williams' head Smart made me dog. think of ice. There is a texter here, BT, what? who says uh, he is also, he or she, also a lawyer. They could get you out of it. That's what I'm talking about. We've, we've got a suggestion if right the above that. If doesn't fit, Let's you hear, must uh, The suggestion was, what if you just happen to be a messy wiper and you defend yourself with an open-hand swipe? That's actually a really mm. good point also. Yeah, I didn't I would I try it, too. Yeah, startle warning. reflex. Yeah, yeah use perfect. that one. <laughs> Pretty good. I like it. Uh, Big says, great job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sober too. BT. Jerry, how good is this show? Damn right. That's a good show. So that's, that's where I really think about it show. as well. Raj. Big day tomorrow. Let's go. Yeah. Is that John Clayton? Damn right it is. John Clayton with the caca. He couldn't wait to do it. Dan Betlock, uh, great job again as our board operator. And, of course, we have a big day again tomorrow. Tickets available for the Battlehawks as they play Seattle at the Dome. About 2,000 available at XFLBattleHawks.com. And Blues Hockey tomorrow night at 7. Pre-game show, Mitsubishi Electric pregame show with us uh, at 6. Uh, for all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And as our friend Ron Burgundy would say...